If you were standing in front of 20,000 screaming fans and you had the platform to say anything you wanted, what would you say? Would you give a poignant speech about the state of the world and how you feel about it? Or would you just say all you need to say as you scream? Rock and roll! That's right, for the very first time ever! I watched Airheads. up everybody welcome to clear attended classics the show where i your host jake ryan baker watch classic movies for the very first time and give my nostalgia free opinions on them today this is a, actually a very special episode <laughs> i don't know if what the movie that we're covering airheads uh as i probably said in my intro is quite the classic uh for this show but this episode's very special because we have not one but two return guests on the show andrew zerberg is here justin richard is here they've literally never met but I'm sure the chemistry will be amazing because uh, I'm here to facilitate. I can just hear the optimism in your voice. <laughs> but thank you guys both for agreeing to do this movie. It was just, I think you both independently brought this film up to me in like the last couple of weeks. And I was like, well, let's fuck it. Let's just, let's just do it. <laughs> just, yeah, yeah. Do a group mm-hmm. episode. It's, it's always a roll of the dice. Like, uh, but I have fun. I think three is a good number. I think when we did the Matrix, Andrew, I think four. <laughs> I think four was really pushing it. Honestly, well, this is a little bit lighter of a movie, so true, true. So that, that'll probably help out too. Probably not a lot of strong opinions in this. Just, <laughs> just, uh, just a fun movie in my opinion. Yeah, I think I, right off the bat, my harshest opinion is like every time Michael Richards is on the screen, I just roll my eyes. But that's about the extent of it. <laughs> in the sense, I was like, his physical comedy was. I was like. Oh, we're back to this for a second. I'm like, okay, cool. Well, it's not even it's not even Michael. He's just doing Kramer the entire movie. That's <laughs> yeah. all he's doing. I mean, that's like all that anyone ever had him do, except yes. for like, what's that movie uh, where he's like the bad guy? I don't even know. He was a they, bad guy. They that covered just... it. It's a um, it's Problem Child. He's like the villain. Oh yeah, he plays like a stalker, doesn't he? Or something yeah, like he that. like kills somebody with a barbell <laughs> by throwing it at them or something. Alrighty then. Well, well, we we've seen what happens when we don't. When he doesn't do Kramer. He loses his mind on stage and says r- bad words. <laughs> yeah, it is also hard to watch him a little bit because you're like, oh, you've been like hardcore canceled 
occur. <laughs> Losing it. It's like before, the like. There's like one thing you probably can't do on stage. Anymore. Well, that was even before canceling was a thing. Like, I know. How you get canceled before they canceled people? You were the you were the star of it, man. <laughs> That's how bad it was. Uh, but yeah, so I'd love to get you guys's. I mean, I'll just say first, this uh, the Airheads is like. I mean, this is a big miss for me because I'm like the Sandler guy. I've seen like every Sandler movie almost, except for like the very first movie he did that was like a, a cruise ship sex I, comedy. I've never. I, I've seen it. Don't watch it. <laughs> but like, I had it. On, I think my brother had it on tape. It was awful. But like other than that, I think like maybe the movie where there's like a. a no, you said Wedding Crashers. You have or not Wedding Cra- Wedding Singer. You I did. I did Wedding Singer for the oh, show. Did you? Okay. Uh, I I was like I got to cover this one because it's one of his good ones that I haven't seen. Um, but I hadn't seen Airheads, and I and this is like I mean this it's, is early. This Sandler. Is, yeah, this is this is also the beginning of uh, this is the first movie uh, Sandler and uh, Steve Buscemi uh, Buscemi ever did together as well. Yeah, I mean you see a lot of people that will eventually become Sandler player. You see fucking grandma's boy shows up yeah. for two seconds. I was like, grandma's boy. Uh, <laughs> and he like never yeah. shows up again. Uh, it's, a, it's also pretty interesting to me to watch this. Cause this is like Sandler before he started doing like Sandler isms as movies where he was still, I it mean, was, it was very funny to watch him do the, you got to be mean to him, and then you start to actually see the you see the Sandler come out where he's just like, everybody get on the ground. Or the Sandler for me was where, uh, he was there, uh, where uh, Steve Buscemi was making fun of him and when they were trying to break it, he's like, he's making this up. <laughs> like, I love the Sandler voice. There it is. <laughs> but I'm curious about you guys' history with this film. How about you, Andrew? Like, what's your history? Um, I saw it. I don't think I saw it in the theaters, but I saw it, you know, when it was still, you know, kind of new, probably on home video, rented it or whatever. Um, and I, I, you know, really enjoyed it right from the start. And it was my introduction to, you know, both uh, Steve Buscemi and uh, Adam Sandler. Um, and uh, Joe Mantegna just sort of fell in love with him in this role. <laughs> he's like, very, I, yeah, he's, he's very, so good in this. He's playing a role that's like you, you're like a popular rock DJ. You have to like ooze charisma and vibes, and it's kind of a hard role to just step into because you have to, you have to buy that from him. And I, I think he kind of nailed it. He doesn't yeah. quite have the voice or whatever, but it doesn't. It still works weirdly enough. He's got the mannerisms down, but. So you so you saw this like really early on, like, yeah. You know, probably in whatever ninety five. Okay, at some point. It's it is so. very funny to watch this movie and see that Sandler is essentially the third banana, maybe even fourth if you consider Joe Man- Montana. Like he kind of honestly has more scenes than he does. Like yeah, it, it's it's funny that Sandler will go on to be the guy who put Steve Buscemi in his movies, where Steve Buscemi was like bullying him in this movie. <laughs> Just the dynamic was interesting, but. How about you, Justin? What's your history with the I film? I saw this super young, like before I even knew like movie stars' names, and before I could even comprehend it, it was a comedy, really. Mm-hmm. And I just I liked it. I thought it was funny. And then, like you know, as I get older, I go back to it. You see, oh, Brendan Fraser's in this. That was Adam Sandler. Holy shit! And then <laughs> just the names, and I just started watching again. And I had it on. I think I had it on DVD as well. I need to find it. I couldn't find it to watch it, but yeah, I just saw it as a real young. It stuck with me, and then so that nostalgia just caused me to keep watching and keep watching it and even just now this rewatch is awesome because this is probably the most 90s movie i've ever seen (laughs) (laughs) it would if you were doing a bracket of most 90s movies ever this movie is in there for sure i have although it's funny because it's devotion to rock and like i don't know if you would consider it quite metal or whatever i'm not gonna 
get all like genre because people, people love to like argue about that stuff but it does feel a little 80s it's, too it's, yeah uh, i kind of feel that like <laughs> especially for having for being like uh, it came out in 94 right and mm-hmm. like it feels much more like like a 91 movie mm-hmm. you know like i know that's not a big difference but it kind of it, it does feel like it's it's really riding the tail end of like the eighties. If, if I would almost guarantee you, the script was like written in the late eighties. Right. It, <laughs> it strikes me as like what like obviously Brendan Fraser's probably an eighties kid, right? It's he's doing every eighties kid dream of throwing his hair out and he's gonna be a rock star and all this other stuff. And, and I guess that kind of is sort of folded into the plot a little bit where. It's kind of hinted at that rock music's on its way out, mm-hmm. or at least this kind of music's on its way out, and they're going to change to an easy listening station and all that stuff. So it's kind of baked in there because I don't, because yeah, it is like late 80s, like, oh, and then like, but by like the mid 90s, we're starting to get more like grunge and mm-hmm. like Nirvana and shit like that. So, but I will say, I feel like of the three of us, and I apologize for making this assumption justin but i think andrew's probably the biggest at least rock music head of of, yeah. of the three of us so i was I curious for your just i i know you live in that in these like couple of decades music wise i'm curious for your opinions like both on like the soundtrack for the movie and like was that part of the appeal for the of the movie for you was the was like the music aspect of it uh i think it was um you know uh uh so I, I play guitar and bass. I really don't play anymore, do anything like that. But I have done. I've done some recordings and stuff like that. But nothing anybody's heard of. But but <laughs> well, you gotta take over a radio station and, and right, make them play. right, <laughs> right. But you know, you have that. You know, when I was you have you know fifteen watching this movie, I sort of had that that sort of dream. So like like you're saying, like genre wise, it's not really right up my alley. But but you know, there there's that that you know that that draw of like you know just that the pure music of it and they're, you know, pushing back against like the record industry and the marketing and the image and like mm-hmm. all of this stuff. Um, and so that too, um, touches right on that line of, of like being in that early nineties period where you had the, the eighties was the period in music where image became like a really, really big factor. You have like MTV and the music videos and, you know, I think the, you know, probably the, rock and roll magazines probably really hit their stride sure. in the eighties. Um, and, uh, uh, two, you have like the glam, the, like the glam rock movement and things like that in the eighties. Yeah. So like there's all this focus on image and then you have, you know, certain bands in the eighties were already sort of rebelling against that, you know, focus on image. But then that's just sort of leads into, I think what you have the, the attitude in the grunge scene you know, with Nirvana and, and Pearl Jam and those guys just showing up, you know, wearing jeans and flannels and like, <laughs> we're not, we're not dressing up and, you know, all this glam stuff, you know, and make ourselves look pretty for the magazines or whatever. Right. It's, uh, it's, I think it's one of the most interesting castings in this movie. And I'm trying to remember what year Spinal Tap came out, but Michael McKean being in this movie is just such an interesting as someone that finally got around to seeing this is Spinal Tap, it's like him being in this movie. I mean, Spinal Tap's got to be way older than this movie because he's yeah, so like, he, 
He's so probably young. like ten years Which, apart. I think. Yeah, he's so Which, young in Spinal Tap. Funny thing about Michael McKeon, as a young kid, I thought for years that uh, his character was actually the uh, uh, Corbin Burnson from Major League. <laughs> they they're so similar, at least their voice and their face. As a young kid, I thought they were the same. He, he's a great actor. It's, it's so funny that he plays like this, like doped up British rock star ten years before this, and now he's like this awful record exec with the shitty ponytail. And one, I will say, I do like the I do man like, bun before the man bun. A little bit. I, I like the gag where he's like, "This probably isn't even real, man." And then he's like, "Ah, shit!" It's like, "Oh, he is actually." Uh, he has a, a ponytail or whatever. But I think one of the biggest things is, and maybe this leads us right. Or I don't mean to jump right into it, but the beginning of the movie is, I am the music. Uh, the music starts, and that they start playing the names that are in the movie and i'm just like what the hell like this cast is insane it's like wall to wall other than unfortunately maybe some of the uh lady the, ladies yeah, the in women the didn't make it very far past this <laughs> Which I, i'm sure that's its own ball of wax but mm-hmm. like every like dude in this movie except like maybe the my not milo but the there's a cut like a couple people but other than that Everybody else With is the like bullies at the white zombie concert, maybe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I was like, because I was like, is that Rob Zombie on yeah, the stage? Because yeah. yeah, like, that was really that too was right before they blew up because their their <laughs> yeah. sort of big hit album came out like the next year. Yeah, it's I just think. like it's such just, a it's such a recognizable sound. I just remember that song was on one of the Twisted Metal soundtracks. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's just and it's funny the way the cast is stacked because at this time I think Frazier is pretty damn big. Although maybe not. This might have been a little bit right before he fully blew up. Let me see. Because I think this is slightly before Encino Man. Yeah, this is. No, Encino Man was 1992. That was actually his second film, actually. I want to say I heard that, like, I want to. There's a story because it was like Frazier was talking to somebody about how they really had to fight to, like, cast him in this movie because somebody was kind of against it. I think they wanted somebody else. I was reading trivia about this the other day. And it's funny because he's essentially our lead. Because uh, I wasn't sure, because the way this cast is shaken out, uh, the status of where these people have gone in their lives is wildly different from what they were at the time of, the, of this film. And because, I mean, you got Buscemi, who I think is just off of Reservoir Dogs at this point, basically. Uh, and you have Sandler, who's basically just an SNL guy who yeah, is right. kind of I mean, starting to show up in movies. He's killing it in SNL, but <laughs> right. still, yes, yeah. he's still very... He's got comedy albums, yeah. but he's definitely not an established actor. I mean, you have Ernie Hudson showing up to be a, a true, the true heavyweight <laughs> just, that he is. Just, yeah. Ernie Hudson, go in there and bat about 300 for us. <laughs> just <laughs> yeah. kill every scene, but don't do anything too crazy. It is funny like how every time he's in a scene, it is one of those things where I was like, I, I liked everybody in this movie, but our, other than Buscemi... Uh, for, I don't think Frazier and Sandler are necessarily the strongest actors. And so every once in a while they'll go against, uh, is it Montaigne? Yes. Uh, so you got like Montaigne, McKean, and Hudson. And sometimes like Frazier will be talking to Hudson and I'm like, Frazier, Hudson's making you look like a chump right now. <laughs> well, Hudson, I, wouldn't, I, won't, I wouldn't call him ass on, but Brendan Frazier has some, if it was, if it were a, if it were like a speedometer, it's leaning more toward ass on, towards ass off. I wouldn't call him ass on though. Can you hear me? He's got like a, He's got moments where he's like trying to puzzle things out. He's got a kind of a hard character to play though, because he's supposed to be kind of dumb, but he also has to kind of carry the emotional weight of the movie. Because Buscemi's just he just gets to kind of be the loudmouth wild man, and right. Sandler's doing his sort of like proto Sandler. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm just a shy guy. I don't know. And then you know, there's a, 
Uh, they throw the R word around a couple times and, and insinuate a <laughs> couple things uh, about him. And it's like, well, okay. But then also there's a subplot where he's basically like a ladies' man too. Yeah, which has <laughs> Sam ever played a chick magnet in any of his movies? I don't know if he's ever played a full-on chick magnet in any That's of his movies. That's what he's supposed to be. You're supposed to be like, he's supposed to be yeah. the guy who you know who's an idiot, but it's like, <laughs> how does he do that? Yeah. Like it's which I one of my notes is does anything make you madder than the idiot who just somehow just slays pussy? It's like, how do you do that? Because you're not envious of him because you won't be as dumb as him, but it's like I just never saw that coming. I thought it was like a fun subplot that uh she was into him, the the lady at the radio station, but there's just a very brief conversation where it's sort of established that Sandra just slays for some reason. <laughs> and it's just really he's, weird. He's honestly surprisingly in shape in this movie, honestly. Uh, I mean, he looks good. Yeah. 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 Uh, he's probably playing a lot of basketball. Uh, <laughs> but in Frazier, Frazier was, this was not quite Georgia the Jungle Frazier, but <laughs> like the second scene in the movie, he's like shirtless on the couch and you're like, okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> and also, side note, is Steve Buscemi just less creepy with facial hair or is he just because of his age here? Um, I think it's, I, I think it's just like he's sort of, as he's gotten older, his already slightly irregular features have started to warp a little bit and people just kind of perceive him. But like when you watch like older movies that he was in, he's really like, I think Steve Buscemi's like perceived as like this kind of ugly guy. But I feel like when I, when you, if you go back and watch Fargo or Reservoir Dogs or this, it's like he's not really actually. Yeah. He just looks a little different than like a typical movie star. Uh, but yeah, with the hair and the beard, it's like the eyes are a lot less distracting on, <laughs> on this, this particular character, I would yes. say, <laughs> and the teeth and, and all the stuff he's got going on. Well, you just notice the hair and the beard more than anything else. So yeah. It's just something that distracts you from this over here. He does look so much older than the other two, though, which I assume he was, but it is like funny that. Their group yeah. dynamic is, it feels like it's supposed to be some dumb 20-somethings, but Buscemi definitely still looks like he's in his mid-30s, <laughs> at least to me. I don't know. Maybe yeah. maybe I'm wrong. Because <laughs> it's like, yeah, how, he's, how, about, how, he's like nine years older than Sandler I'm seeing now, so. Okay, yeah, it's so. Not, which Frazier is uh, about the same age as Sandler, so. Yeah. yeah, not too far off. It's fun to it's fun to do this because we're sort of in or in the Renaissance essentially, the 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 Brendan Fraser comeback yes. for, by all accounts. Like the man's uh, an Academy Award winner as of this recording for the Whale, which I saw and it was fine. Um, <laughs> I think I missed that. <laughs> you don't want to watch a movie where, that opens with a six hundred pound man jacking off the gay porn. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's good. I like it. It's not. I don't know if it's Frazier's best. Definitely not Aronofsky's best. But. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but he's, I mean, he's fun. I mean, he seems like a really nice guy. And I grew up on his stuff, like Bedazzled and, you know. Uh, I mean, that's what I got introduced to Brendan Fraser on. Oh, really? Yeah. I saw a clip from it recently where it's the, the part where he's playing, like, the basketball player. <laughs> and they're trying to interview him. They're like, you broke Will Chamberlain's record. It's. That's a pretty big deal. He's like, yeah, yeah, man. You just, you just gotta go out there and give 110 percent, man. He's like, he's just so fucking dumb. <laughs> but he's also like sweating like profusely. He's just like pouring sweat like that Key and Peele sketch. <laughs> I was like, I didn't, re I didn't remember the sweat part of that aspect. It, mm. we're, we're, weirdly, the only thing I remember is it gets like revealed that he's got like a really small dick or something. <laughs> so then in the next version, he wishes that he's got a big dick, but then they make him gay. And that's like the twist in that universe or whatever. But also, I mean, Elizabeth Hurley. Yeah, that's, 
<laughs> Mostly why I always watch that film. <laughs> Ruben Frazier was just a side piece in that. <laughs> Pretty much, but it is, I, I do think, I know it's like kind of a dumb comedy, but it is weirdly one of his better acting movies because he plays so many different characters. It's like a highlight reel of very different characters in Bedazzled. And also, you know, special shout out to Blast from the Past. I, I, I quite like that film too. <laughs> I recommend it. Man, I probably should have saved it for the end of the show when we do recommendations. <laughs> but I guess before we get fully started, I didn't know if there was any cast members you guys particularly were like, I have something to say about their career before we like just dive into the movie proper. Because I mean, literally, we have people in bit parts like David Arquette and like Chris Farley mm. and stuff. They're in it for like two seconds. Like Chris Farley gets a little bit of business to do, I guess. <laughs> but I mean, he was probably, I mean, this was like basically. I imagine he was kind of big at this point. I think uh, it was only, his only second film, I think. Okay. Because, I, I mean, he, he goes on to have, like, a really big run, you know, for a minute with all, like, his David Spade movies and stuff that he did. Uh, and obviously he's, so, you know, huge for so this is, SNL. Uh, his fourth movie, actually. He was in the, he did had small parts of the Wayne's World, and he was in a uh, Conehead. <laughs> I didn't realize Conehead came out before this already. 93, yep. Okay. I've never seen it. Never seen Coneheads. I saw it <laughs> Bits once. and pieces. Yeah, back in the 90s. I don't remember very much. I love the Red Hot Chili Peppers song from the soundtrack, <laughs> though. Wow. Every, every clip I've ever seen from it gives me no... I've never felt the impetus to watch it because like every clip is like, look, they're inhaling toilet paper. And I'm just like, this looks bad like really <laughs> really note, bad same note too bro <laughs> uh but yeah any, any cast members before we just like get into this damn thing nope Mar- marshall bell is I, I vaguely recognized him uh reggie kathy i remember him he was in the wire i think a couple he's always in, he's in, not one of those small 90s actors who's just in everything I feel oh like. sure yeah if you pull if he's you, got that voice you just recognize yeah if you pull him up american psycho seven the, the mask, mask. yeah <laughs> that's pretty crazy he's the guy who needed who needed a cigarette right before he died <laughs> oh he's the guy right yeah. i always remember that because i always remember the guy being like here you go suck on that and then it just sort of like falls from his lips as he's trying to light it or whatever and he's like son of a bitch and like it cuts back to carrie like going nuts or whatever also uh he's in tank girl uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> i uh, i don't know that one uh, me and andrew covered it for the show oh, huh. <laughs> I, 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 I quite like that film i every once in a while i will just randomly start singing uh, <laughs> let's do it <laughs> let's fall in love i love Lori petty uh but yeah so Let's talk about the movie, guys. Yeah. Let's dive into it. So the, the movie opens with sort of like, the it's a credit sequence that they, I guess, it's not quite stop motion. I don't really know how to describe it. It's sort of, it's very 90s. Yeah, uh, my, is, yeah. fir- my first note, which which may be, a, which is a reoccurring note, I spoke to you about my first note. Welcome to the 90s, bitch. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Right. Uh, Although the music is Motorhead, so that doesn't yeah. sound very good, 90s. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like. It's the kind of driving rock song that has opened many a movie. Uh, just like uh, I think it's one of Motorhead's better songs. Honestly, I liked it. It's a good, it's a good song, good song. <laughs> but it is like, it, and for a mo- movie that's so much about rock music, it feels appropriate for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get like Brendan Fraser riding a motorcycle up to this uh, this record uh, label's office or whatever. And, well, you also get a uh, Joe Montana showing up as the, uh, obviously the DJ. Oh, sure. Sure. Which, yeah. Which my note is 
Was there anything more soothing back in the day in your drive than at your favorite radio station's DJ? Yeah, it's they, they're doing they're set, they're already setting up a lot of dominoes here, yeah. where it's like so we see Frazier on the Harley looking cool, and it's being narrated basically over. It was like radio, oh oh yes. oh, Rebel Radio and uh, KRXX. Yes. Uh, and you already get a little bit of like the cynicism from Montana. A little he's bit. Like, he's like, what do you? Why are all you knuckleheads pen, or whatever? Pinheads. What he says, pinheads like they're still wearing. Put, put your ears next to the speaker and blow your brains out or whatever. He, he, <laughs> he says, says that, like at the, that He says that at the concert that he's hosting <laughs> later. Uh, but yeah, he's like, all you people wearing leather in this weather. I know not to rile you up, but I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna do it anyway. Like he's a little. Yeah, you're so right. He's a little cynical. I think that. Uh, I mean, there's so like and, uh, Andrew once. Uh, hosted a movie night where we watched was is it just called Talk Radio? Oh yeah, uh, yeah, Oliver Stone. Yeah, so hmm, we watch yeah. a movie called Talk Radio that that takes place at a radio station. I I really like the movie with Christian Slater. Pump up the volume. I'm, yeah. I'm quite a fan of that film. It's, it's like fun. As someone that does not listen to radio at all anymore, I do. That's one of my more nostalgic things where i kind of do miss just listening to the radio every once in a great while i'll be like let's turn the radio on yeah. and then it'll be nothing but commercials and i'll be like let's turn the radio off i have a uh, question about radio later in my notes we'll get to okay uh but like I, I literally uh the bear used to have metallica mondays and my dad would my dad actually quite likes metallica and we would always turn the radio we would go out into the car at like nine o'clock and it'd be like and i mean i have a soft spot for metallica to enter enter sandman probably my favorite metallica song yeah um i really like their cover of whiskey in the jar though uh i think um i think one i think is one of their songs called i think so yeah it is like it's metallica is one of those like again where i don't want to like get into conversation with like true music heads because i'm sure <laughs> no, like because it's like if you call metallica metal i'm sure they'd like stab you uh, but it's just like i don't know when i was well, i think genre one... wise you're safe if you say it's good that might be a different fired. i just well, i have a disliking all genres or wide majority everything's just music to me i don't mm -hmm. Can't really give give a fuck about the genres. I, I have too much nostalgia wrapped up in Metallica to not at least like some of their songs. So, like when I was in grade school, it was like Master of Puppets came out, and it was like so cool. Uh, but yeah, so you were, no, you're not old enough for that statement to be right. Mm -hmm. Master of Puppets is like 1985 or, or six. Maybe it was like uh, <laughs> maybe it was like someone in my class was getting was into that so, yeah that, that makes sense but like, uh, like the math is not adding up here. yeah honestly a lot of my love for metallica just how well their songs like complimented videos whether it be like sure. early like wrestling pro like videos they would do oh. hype up matches or like one one of my favorite things about that is they used it for the uh season one of the punisher where they timed like the like the drum solo or like dun, 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 with the gunshots sure interesting just, side note on that is in the early, like back in the '80s, Metallica was like dead set against any of their music ever appearing as like a soundtrack mm -hmm. song. So yeah, yeah. I guess we see how that went. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, their their music well, is, their, worked out well for them well, financially. When you, get, when you get their age and you want money, shit just kind of works out that way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I know that. Uh, is it Lars was like one of the foremost like anti Napster yeah. guys, but it is funny because it's like we all like trashed him back in the day. But I'm like, look what happened to music. Now they all make like 
two cents every time someone one of their songs plays on Spotify, and it's actually kind of fucked up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but so yeah, I'm so angry at all the artists that refuse to get on Spotify. I want you on my fucking playlist. <laughs> yeah, but they don't make any money. Get rid of your values and just get on my playlist. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we see we see Frazier, and he's got the long hair. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I guess this is right before Encino Man. I guess the hair is. I don't know. Is it a wig or is it real? It's got to uh, be a wig. It's got to be, right? It's, I would think so, yeah. yeah. But he kind of did have long hair in a lot of movies like George of the Jungle and Encino Man and stuff. Uh-huh. So Maybe. Uh, maybe, yeah. maybe just extensions or something. A little um, bit, maybe. I don't know. And I've always been quite amazed at what... One of the craziest things I ever saw was like... It, it was like we were in quarantine for a while, right? And Jack Black started a YouTube channel. It's called like Jablinski Games, and it was like unhinged because uh, he didn't even game on it. I don't know why it was called Jablinski Games, uh, but he was just like beard puffed out, white hair. He looked <laughs> he looked like Santa Claus's cocaine addicted brother, and then he did like this behind the scenes thing of them getting him ready for Jumanji too. They he looked like he fucking de-aged twenty years after they were done with him. Just dyed his hair brown trim the beard like they just they're they're wizards out there man so brendan fraser could have had a shaved head for this movie and if it's a wig it's a pretty good wig i would say because uh, i've seen sure. some bad wigs yeah uh, <laughs> even in, andrew made a great point and it's probably more applicable i mean it's actually kind of applicable here because i start the i start the movie up i actually watched this over at andrew's house he was kind enough to let me watch his dvd because by the way, guys, we are going to spoil this movie, but good fucking luck finding it. Found it, it online. Uh, you, I, can, I thought, you can find it not so legally online, but even I couldn't find a great copy thought, of it. I thought I read somewhere it was on HBO Max, but I might, it was, might have been It was wrong. on there briefly, but oh. it's not anymore. I still you you cannot run it on Amazon. You cannot run it on YouTube. You it, probably it, find a used DVD. At, uh, I, I heard the DVDs stores. actually go for quite a lot. Oh, too. really? No shit. Uh, yeah, so, I, oh, wow. yeah, I had it on DVD, but I don't know where it's at. Yeah, so it's probably in those DVDs my dad told me he was gonna give me fucking months ago. I'm kind of banking on this just being a movie people watched when they were younger and like just kind of listening to this for nostalgia and not hoping that they watched the movie alongside it because fuck if I know where you could watch this movie. It, it's it was a, on. It, I was I was scrolling through my movie channels the other night and I saw it on there. Like this is before we agreed to watch it. And it was like halfway over. I was like, oh, well, that pops up. I'm watching. That's, that's a good point. It probably shows up on some stuff. I don't know what the lead. It's like 20th century. Fox, so that means that they're now owned mm-hmm. by Disney, and so whatever that, even that nonsense entails, because Disney acquired <laughs> Fox, and the, what they're like practically purging the Fox library. Uh, it's just I don't know. Disney sucks. I hate Disney so much. Sometimes I'm like, they're always like, did you know they almost went out of business, and now they're like the biggest. I'm like, wish. Uh, sometimes I'm like, I wish they fucking went out of business. <laughs> like, yeah, they my, suck. My fiance <laughs> is there right now, giving them money at their amusement park. So. God, it's just it's it's try. I. I was front row center for Encanto when I watched it and loved it, but still also fucked Encanto. Disney. That was a great movie. <laughs> but so Frazier sneaks in, and the reason I oh. <laughs> where I was go, where I was going here was we're gonna get to the movie sooner. Well, no, oh. like like Andrew Andrew brought up that he was like the budget for this seems like surprisingly it just seems like a surprisingly expensive movie for the concept, which obviously big chunks of it are quite contained where they're right. just in the in the studio. And it's just the characters kind of talking, and clearly they just set some lights up outside the windows going blue and red oh, sure. and yeah. or whatever. But this opening scene is a one shot where it tracks with Frazier into the lobby. A security guard's like, Hey, it's that guy again. He gets in the elevator. The camera floats up to the second floor 
and never cuts. It just follows Frazier throughout this entire fucking building, has an entire interaction with Judd Nelson, gets grabbed by security. The can it, there's no cuts. It's all it's like for for like what's essentially uh, the proto stoner comedy. I don't even know how I would classify this I mean, rock comedy. It's not even a stoner comedy because there's no. no really oddly enough, there's no mention of drugs yeah, in this entire like, movie, it, which is. Fucking weird, in my opinion. Yeah, because it's like Arquette's clearly like out of his mind, bank mm -hmm. the whole movie. But it's one of those. It's like Galaxy Quest. They decided they couldn't say Monk was high the whole movie. They like cut all those references out. But it it with the crowds like and some of the more elaborate shots. I also feel that's a '90s thing, also because uh, drugs were bad. In the 90s. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Which it's like if you watch any rock documentary, they were all just blasting rails and they, high as fuck. They the definitely entire... saw, they saw the world in terms of surfaces as John Wayne would say. <laughs> yeah. When you're a cocaine addict, <laughs> you see the world in terms of surfaces. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. So I don't know. I'm actually kind of curious now. Cause I'll, uh, this is great Man. podcasting to, to Google what the oh, bu yeah. budget was. I, while you're doing that, I just want to say also, Brendan Fraser's hair, that uh, the, that world wasn't ready for Michael Jordan's Stone Cold Steve Austin bald head. Because <laughs> I feel like that was a typical, which, at least from the 80s, to be a star, you had to have long hair. And then, yeah. like, it changed. Like, so we, uh, it's saying here that the budget was $11 million, Yeah, that's what I saw as well. Which is still pretty big for... Uh, early I mean, 90s comedy and it doesn't have it's not like it has like kick-ass stars it? this is pretty much just we, we're pulling this guy we're pulling some snl guys yeah we're pulling brendan frazier who's been in some things who's been in Encino man and we're pulling ernie hudson who's not a star but he's that's a good average mm -hmm. like yeah. it wasn't a wasn't supposed to be a hit i don't think the well, guy the guy that directed this also directed heathers uh don't know it also directed 40 days and 40 nights a oh, particular favorite of mine uh, I haven't seen that one. Seems like he was coming off of Hudson Hawk on this one, which I believe <laughs> is a notorious flop. Uh, Heather's is an incredible movie. Uh, mm. Fun. I, some of these. Uh, I feel like there was a there was there must have been a period of time in like the seventies and eighties where you could become a composer for film, and then the the window just closed because it feels like the same four guys make everything. Because <laughs> the composer for this film is Carter Burwell, who has done like every movie that John Williams and Hans Zimmer don't do, it's like Carter, <laughs> Carter Burwell snaps it up. Uh, like, cause I've seen his name on so many films. It's insane. Uh, yeah. Some of the, just the, the prolific ability of some so, certain composers, you know, John Williams, like, yeah, yeah. Those guys, Oh, what's his name? It always works. With, um, I can't, who am I thinking? I can't of? help you until you give me a name. Uh, Zimmer. Uh, no, the, um, Edward Scissorhands and oh and, sure uh, uh, the Batman guy uh, uh, Tim Burton Tim yeah. this, this well, is not my area of expertise right. no it's Danny the, Elfman Danny Elfman but yeah Danny Elfman like Oingo Boingo that guy cranks out like a couple scores a year yeah it's it's they, they obviously they have help you know like their name at at this point it's like a Hans Zimmer score is like he walked into the room and went okay cool sounds good and like walked out but it's yeah. The, it's it's got to be as hard as it is to become a, like a musician or a filmmaker. I feel like being like a <laughs> prolific film composer, it must be a bitch to get to because it's like until these guys die, like why wouldn't you just use Williams or Elfman? <laughs> it's like because well, you could say John Williams did the score for this. Like everyone knows John Williams, I think. Even no, I don't. I mean, he's 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 the one that worked with Spielberg, and huh. it's like the Jurassic Park theme. John oh, okay. Williams, the Star Wars thing. Basically everything Spielberg and Lucas ever did, I think. <laughs> the, the Raiders of the Lost Ark, John Williams. Yeah, like it's it's all John Superman, Williams. Superman John Williams. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so 
the long and short of it though is that we we meet Fraser, who essentially is going to serve as our lead. And even though it's it's a bit of an ensemble piece, but Frazier's sort of our main way in. Hmm. He's breaking into this record label because he wants to talk to an executive. He's got a demo tape, and they just got to hear it. And <laughs> yes. the, exe- the exec he makes is played by Judd. I was like, who is this guy? And thankfully, Andrew was standing there. He was like, that's Judd Nelson. I was like, that's Judd Nelson? Yeah. What the fuck? He looks so <laughs> and my, different. And then my note, my note is that, that in 10 years, it would have been every local rapper trying to break into a radio station. <laughs> Get my demo played! Pretty much. <laughs> um, but... Jed Nelson's like, it's, it's unsolicited material. I can't listen to it. He's like, stay super or whatever the hell he is. He has like a kind of a catchphrase. It's like super duper. Super duper? Yeah, he just, just gives him a thumbs uh, up and then slams a door in his face. Yeah. <laughs> Every stereotypical like, ah, oh, yeah, I don't want you, but be good. Your stereotypical uh, rock agent douchebag. Oh, yeah. I mean, of. he's literally got slick back hair and like yeah. an awful goatee. Slick back hair, piece of shit. Probably eat sloppy sticks. <laughs> Wait, I didn't talk over you. Okay. Oh, shit. Damn it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Frazier gets caught, gets thrown out. We sort of cut back to him at his apartment. His very hot girlfriend comes in and starts mm. bitching about how terrible. But her his girlfriend is very like, again, so is this the 80s? Because she looks like an 80s babe. Yes. It's very. The, the the blonde feathered hair and and the but our introduction to her is basically her taking her pants off. Yes, uh, I did not remember that in the rewatch, but okay, let's do this. Uh, but she's bitching about and work, and she's like, "Did you mail the rent?" And he's like, "You didn't give me a stamp, babe." And, and then, this uh, is where it's hard for me to root for Brendan Fraser <laughs> in the beginning because I know so many people like this where it's just, "What'd you do?" Nothing. Well, you didn't do this. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's just—he literally has a, He's watching rock on the TV, and he has like a remote control, and he's like, "Neow, neow, neow," like mm-hmm. trying to play along. I'm like, "Okay," because at this point, as a first-time watcher, I'm trying to gauge the intelligence level of our characters that we're working with here. And yeah, Justin, Justin Maldow, and I, I have a tendency to agree. <laughs> Every everybody, but even like the more intelligent characters in this movie are still kind of stupid. I have a great uh, note on how this, how a lot of this movie is like. You shake your head because I was like, I have a note on how it kind of makes sense. Also, I've just known so many guys like this. Like, give you an example. So, I said my fiance does listen to this, so I'm good. But her sister was married to a guy who her sister at one point was climbing the ranks at a restaurant, being like a high level manager, and he was doing like factory jobs. And his words to me one time where it's like. Yeah, you know, if she gets any higher, though, I can quit my job, be a stay-at-home dad. I'll just focus on my music. <laughs> it's like, life goals, man, life goals. Yeah, it's the dream. I yes. uh, I do love this interact where she's like, what the hell? Like, what happened to my makeup? He's, you spilled it in toys. I told you not to. I, I do love how hard she throws this box at him, and it it's, hits him. Like it's, very, it's very volatile. <laughs> yeah, volatile they, she's a very aggressive woman. Yes. Yeah, it's one of those things where I couldn't tell where the movie is, because I like me an aggressive woman, but they didn't really... They they didn't really give her a lot of re- redeeming qualities either. Where it's like, you, I like the aggression, but it's also like you want to see her maybe lift him up a little bit. But she's kind of just mean to him the whole time. So I, what, and, and I disagree her, with that. Yeah, I think well, she's she's supportive, but she's like, she's very much like hot cold. Yeah, yeah. You know? and, and 
in her defense, she's working while he's she's come she's right. working all day. He's coming. He's fucking just. Oh, don't get me wrong. I absolutely <laughs> sympathize <laughs> like, with her. I just was trying to understand this relationship. It's a very. It's <laughs> I, it's one of those. Right. I have a note about that later. We'll get to it. But yeah, because because what happens towards Say the end no of the movie too, is bro. insane. Because like I started writing notes and then I kind of had to reverse the. I had to like write another note to like cancel out the previous note because I was like they're just giving me whiplash right now. <laughs> it's, uh, but it's uh, it's kind of fun. But yeah, so it, it, it's funny how much she changes her tune when. He says, he's, a, he's like, I went to the record. Cause she's like, what'd you do all day? Cruise up and down trying to impress 15 year olds. I was like, so you know, so you're accusing your boyfriend of being a pedophile. Like what's going on here? But he's like, I was at the record label. She's like, Oh, well, what happened? He's like, well, I got the record. And then he basically reveals he was kicked well, out by security. Well, no, he, it's <laughs> one of the worst lies. Like if you're going to end it with, I got kicked out. Why'd you lie about the, yeah, part? it's very strange. It's like one of those things where it's like, you don't lie. You make it lie. kind of truthful, but then you, but it didn't soften the blow. That's the whole point of lying in the beginning. <laughs> well, I don't think he was lying though, because uh-oh. he he was he was you know telling a very specific version of what happened. <laughs> you know, was strategically like you know leaving certain things out, strategically like phrasing things and so they sound in a certain way. But what he said was, you know, in a sort of a technical sense, accurate to what happened. Yeah, I did also kind of it's it's kind of a throwaway joke, but when he's breaking in. He gets out of the elevator with these guys that are all wearing like cat and a hat hats, and you can, you can kind of overhear them like talking about trying to impress a record. There's a like this movie thematically, I wouldn't call it the most strong themes of all time, but there definitely is an undercurrent of like the gimmickry of like the music industry yeah. and stuff like that. And they are laying it on thick right off the bat with these cat in the hat it's like what do we guys. say don't care what you say just look like you are <laughs> yeah it doesn't matter just you the crazier the better because because we'll see another band later yes. and this guy's wearing an insane outfit uh but yeah essentially again as a first time watcher uh, he gets kicked out of his apartment uh, yeah, he he said he said the line you just from experience you just don't <laughs> say it doesn't it never ends well Using the you sitting in an office line doesn't end well. <laughs> Don't go there. Yeah, she's like, "What do you do all day?" He's like, well, you just sit on your ass and smoke and drink coffee. And it's like, just smash cut to you him. Ju- you just want to get you just want to get slapped in the face when you say something like that. <laughs> it's funny because it's like how many movies open like this where our main character is being kicked out of his girlfriend because this is literally kind of how Dirty Work opens, <laughs> uh, <laughs> except she never comes back. She just kicks him out, and then later he's like, "Hey, <laughs> hey, that's my shirt." Happy Gil, Happy Gilmore too. Is yeah, that, he doesn't get kicked out either, but she just leaves. Yeah. Oh, in the scene too, I think they set up that that um, you know, you wrote the song before you even met me or whatever. Yeah, yeah he's like, he's like, I wrote that up. song for you. She's like, you wrote the song before you even met me. Which and he so just goes, he's he like, he's kind of like, yeah. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's about you. Still your song, <laughs> but the, the song has no reference towards women whatsoever. Which as far as I can tell, unless yeah. the unless the song at the end isn't the song, but I don't well, know. No, no, I. The whole, yeah. the no, whole, it's, it. it's a song. Yeah, it's it's a song. Yeah, degeneration. That totally about yourself. No, because he's talking yeah. about like, like, uh, so, so John, Johnny does this so he can do his girl or, or whatever, yeah. and feel like he's a man. Yeah, and then, well, the, well, they, like I said, the whole long version, which I found on Spotify, it's just Johnny doing drugs and all this other stuff. Degenerated. Uh, he gets kicked out. He doesn't have a motorcycle. He rides off on that. We get yeah, to she go. just fucking trashes his records and all this other shit. It's <laughs> yeah. just all on the ground. I, and now I'm thinking about Dirty Work, though. When Have you guys seen Dirty Work? Not really. Uh, very, bits and pieces. Norm MacDonald gets kicked out, and he's like he's like walking down the sidewalk, and he sees a guy like in a hockey jersey. He's like, hey, hey, that's my shirt. You're wearing my shirt. And this guy like, just looks at him and kind of points at himself. 
And then he just starts to take it off, and he's like incredibly hairy and sweaty. And he's like, he just offers it up to Norm. He's like, no, I was talking to some other guy. And he just like walks off. I love that movie. That's one of my that's one of my childhood favorites. Also, Adam Sandler cameo in that one where he plays the devil. <laughs> we eat the pig and let then guess together we burn. Let me guess he does a Sandler voice in it. Uh, uh, that's the voice I was the uh, voice I was doing just now is the voice um, he was doing. But. I love Sandler, but just listening to Cinephobe, I whenever he does the voices, it's just like, I understand that he's a little yeah. sticky, but I just I have a very big soft spot yeah, for Happy I, Gilmore. Oh. A, <laughs> I like, don't th- like you're, face it, you're a lousy hockey player. You're not any good. You know what? You're a lousy kindergarten teacher. I see those finger paints you bring home, they suck. <laughs> I'm sorry, baby. I didn't mean that. I just get so scared no, sometimes. I, feel- <laughs> I want to kiss you all over <laughs> and over and again. And yeah, this is funny. He's not doing a lot. Of- Speaking of Sam, the Sandman and and Buscemi, we're basically it's time to meet them. We see Buscemi seems to work in some kind of supermarket Walmarty like type store. Toy store. Me, it looks like a Toys R Us kind. Yeah, of Yeah, something. It very funny interaction where. So- like, like Frazier's just like eating frosting out of a thing with like his <laughs> hand and this like geeky coworkers like, Hey, you didn't restock the shelves. I'm going to tell old man Crothers Co- Covington about, Covington about what the thing. And Buscemi's like, fuck you. And the kid's <laughs> like, like, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm off the clock. And Frazier just kind of mean mugs him. No, he looks at him and then kiss, like blows a kiss at him. It's yeah. Like, bit odd. They, and they go outside and, and we meet Sandler who I, Again, as a first-time watcher, was like, okay, so what's the dynamic going to be here? The dynamic is Sandler is the punching bag, apparently, yes. of this trio. Well, he's obviously <laughs> the younger brother to Steve Buscemi, and everybody knows his younger brother just gets picked on it. Nonstop. Yeah, his name's Pip. He cleans <laughs> pools. It seems to be his van that they <laughs> live in. Because they're like, he's like, I got kicked out by my girlfriend again. And Buscemi's like, hey, good news, Pip. Uh, uh, he's moving in with us. And uh, Pip's like, cool, we can practice music after breakfast or whatever. <laughs> Again, he's not very, he's not a Sandler well, in well, this movie. Well, then they, he <laughs> makes a comment like, uh, well, they, well, constantly they make the comment. It's like every kid's dream is like, oh, once we make it big, we're going to have this, this, and this. And he says, well, how many practice did you miss cleaning some stiff pool? Mm-hmm. And part of me was like, he's working though. I mean, what are you I'm, doing, Brendan Fraser? Exactly. <laughs> it's like, it, 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 the movie's at least self-aware enough to be, even though they're picking on Pip, you kind of are on Pip's side for a lot of these conversations. I mean, Pip right. seems to be doing a lot better than they are, if I had to be honest. <laughs> yeah, both both in the uh, the job market and the lady market. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, so they go back to their place, and it's it, it, pretty quickly you understand that Buscemi just robs the shit out of the place that he works. <laughs> we get some not very subtle foreshadowing here. Yeah, with the guns. Uh, and they, 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 about, they discontinue uh, the guns so they look too real in my notice. When toy guns were more of a problem than real guns. Welcome <laughs> to the 90s, bitch. Yeah, we're, 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 it's funny to watch our, our essentially the heroes of our film just running around with Uzis and threatening people in this movie when it's like the society we live in today is just like there was moments where like Frazier's just like pump faking with the gun where i'm just like oh yeah this is the guy i'm rooting for cool uh <laughs> but it, they, they they basically lay down all they lay down all the plot like the guns look real but they they're water pistols they load them with hot sauce they'll use those for a couple which she was just thinking about getting that in the eye i'd rather take a real gun probably. <laughs> <laughs> in a non-killing spot but then the hot sauce to the eye <laughs> it would it would fucking hurt as, as someone who's uh, taken mace to the eye i will say it that is don't true. fuck with your eyes as a as a famous in our in our friend circle that 
night justin took some mace to the oh, face no. <laughs> i got paid for it though yeah <laughs> but then it got wet because you jumped in the shower <laughs> i got more throwing the shower head first which apparently we were too stupid to know that water doesn't help at all. Negative. <laughs> uh, I didn't know that either. Uh, yeah, it, water does not help Mace. So hopefully uh, that information will never be useful. <laughs> they say they say if you use milk, there's something in milk that can kind of break it down. Yeah. Um, same way with like spicy food. You right. Want, you want like dairy. Milk or sour cream, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, so I, unfortunately most of the people that get maced are, are not people I want to know that information, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, with me it was a dare, people, okay? I didn't like it. I wasn't go- overstepping yeah, we were, my we were, we were all very young and drunk at a party and somebody had mace and they were like, we'll give you 20 bucks if you get... In my, and in my defense, I did not think it was going to be as harshly given to me as it was. <laughs> they, they, oh, she fucked you up. It was bad. I, I feel like that was a top. That's still a top ten moment in her life. She got to use her mace on me because she attacked that thing like it was her moment. It's bad, uh, but yeah. So they, I'm kind of surprised. Like I feel like this movie jumps off pretty quickly because they go to a concert. They see it's like the Sons of Thunder or something like <laughs> Sons that. of Thunder. Yeah, and yeah. like they're like we fucking blew those guys out of the water six months ago. We we see the radio DJ. This is where we meet Michael McCain too, who's like. We get this dynamic where the Ian, the radio DJ, Joe Montaigne is like, this fucking bullshit. A pretty good gag of him like double fisting a yeah. beer in Pepto-Bismol. Yeah, which I always <laughs> thought was really weird. It's like, how does that work? <laughs> he's just like chugging Pepto and he's got the beer. He's like, fuck it. Just pours it down. Michael McKean's our sleazy radio. Babe, babe, babe. Babe. Come on, babe. Uh, he's just like, well, they're charting, man. The, he, all he cares about is the numbers and the money. Ian McKean. Yeah. Ian, loves the music right i love i love the one point in time he's like you don't even listen to music milo (laughs) sons of thunder this guy's like he's got like a bib on and like a baby hat or something i think this is a legit band i read too (laughs) it's it's very weird this this was probably their claim to fame (laughs) don't hate me there's a I, i one thing i've always noticed there's a youtuber i really like yms uh your movie sucks who he always calls out in because like you guys have all been in we've all been in bars right have you ever been in like a fairly crowded bar and try to talk have a conversation with your friend oh yeah you basically have to like shout at each other these guys in this movie's a uh guilty of this where they're literally at a rock concert and brendan fraser's like man we gotta like get in the studio like almost under his breath yeah, and they're like they're like having like a room tone yeah. conversation it's like dude you there's no fucking <laughs> no negative because it's in every movie like david fincher is like right. one of the only people that's ever had a scene where people actually are like shouting at each other in a club because that's how, the only way you can be heard because it was on my mind because we were filming something this weekend and it was at a bar and the characters were kind of just talking and i was i thought about being like eh I don't know if this is realistic, but I was like, it's not like a packed bar, so I just kind of left yeah. it alone or whatever. But well, it's, it's one of those things, like, if you tried to do it realistic, like, especially, or at least sort of like a concert situation or a dance club, like, it would actually be hard for, for like, actors to shout at the level that mm-hmm. would genuinely be appropriate. Oh, yeah. It, because it, you're, you know, the way your ears sort of... There's a reason why most people don't do it. Well, but it, it is like, ever since it's been pointed out, I notice it all right. the time. Yeah, well, it's like it too, also the yeah. Chappelle show thing where it's like club scenes where people are just gliding through there, then it shows, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I'm doing emotions here, people. It's great audio, I'm well aware. <laughs> it's pretty much when you're, when you're actually in like a club or whatever and people are just 
fucking hitting you off. You're bouncing off people. Yeah. You, people are dicks and there's elbowing you. It's, it's not great. <laughs> no, you need a lot of booze and a lot of drugs to have fun. <laughs> but Hey, sometimes you get there. Uh, I have a note here that just says funny to see Sandler playing the loser in a band of losers. Cause it, <laughs> it is just like, he, he goes on to become the biggest of all, probably anybody in this movie, uh, yeah, I would, I would yeah. argue. Mm-hmm. And sure. I, he's the one that like puts the rest of these people in his movies just because he can. Uh, it's funny that he's just getting relentless. I think it's, I think this note's coming off of like them trying to break. Cause they immediately are just like, fuck it. Let's break into the radio studio. I was yes. like, this is jumping off so fast. Mm-hmm. This movie but, does not waste any time. Yeah. And then, but they're it's like very refreshing almost. Yeah, it is actually. Cause they just get going and they like shove his credit card in the thing. Yeah, and I, eats and, it. And, <laughs> and it, this whole, this whole sequence where they're trying to break in where I'll put his credit card in and I'll, then Steve Buscemi said, I'm going to blow a short circuit. It's like, I feel like I would have attempted this when I was 10, maybe. <laughs> right, yeah. Because yeah, like, Buscemi, he, he gives off such like an air of confidence, but then he just keeps failing miserably. And so you're like, oh, this guy's an idiot, too. Yes. They, they go to climb on the roof to break in, and they leave Sandler down there. He gets bashed in the face. I guess I should look up her character name. because Susie with two uh, Zs. Susie with two Zs. Susie with two Zs. Uh, actress's uh, name is uh, Nina Simasco. Think that's right. Uh, you know, I being uh the unfortunately attracted to most women guy that I am. The second I see her, I'm I'm into her. Oh yeah. Uh, I like I like I, I uh gun to my head. I think I'm taking Susie over Kayla in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, I quite like uh, Susie. Her, she's her. just she's got the there's something about her particular personality. Her it's feature. like it's like slightly ditzy or harley okay. quinn well, may, well maybe it's her maybe it's her wardrobe her features stand out quite a bit as well yeah uh her, t- it, her teeth are a little gnarly though mm-hmm. but, my, but i my, guess she's a smoker because that's why she was stepping well, outside my, <laughs> my first note about her is uh the blonde bimbo at works at the radio station is this 90s question mark because <laughs> it, it i mean they her and sandler immediately have a spark she's like oh i was just stepping outside for a cigarette i'm so sorry uh the doors open she goes to go hey you get in here we got to get the con and uh, in an insane move, one of them drops their book bag off the roof to stop the door from closing, which is just like, but it, it is like kind of creative. There's just a lot of creative shots in this, mm-hmm. this, this like top down shot yeah. of the back of one of their heads as they drop the book bag and you see the bag hook on the door. You know, they probably had to shoot that like 50 times, <laughs> right? but it is cool to like physically see it happen, you know? Again, going yeah. back to the budget, there's a scene where helicopters fly a stage in at one point. It, it's it's pretty crazy, like some of the shit they get up to in this mm-hmm. movie. But so they they're in, uh, and then they just kind of stroll in uh, as they're breaking in. It's definitely, get, definitely one of those moments where I don't know if you guys where you're in a place where you're not supposed to be, so you just kind of got to blend in. Yeah, and not hope to get noticed. That was like the entire premise of Burn Notice. Yeah. Was like every episode was like this is how you blend in by just well, pretending you're supposed to be well, here. the closest thing i think about that was uh don't you remember we cornered uh one of our friends fights that we were in seniors in high school and you and another one of our friends had a pass through the corners i did not yeah and i was just in the cage it's like just blend in blend in but that didn't work i got called out and had to go outside <laughs> uh yeah there is something if you just act confident like mm-hmm. like even here at the library like we're in the library radio studio right now and i have my badge but when I'm dressed like I am right now with like my Hawaiian shirt and I'm in like flip flops and shorts, sometimes I'll be in the back passageways, like opening doors and shit. And I'll see a librarian come out and like kind of double take at me. Like, why is this guy loose back here? But I'll just <laughs> yeah. kind of stroll around like I know where I'm going. 
just well, so was, I don't have to have like an awkward interaction. Well, that was me speaking of uh, <laughs> our one of our one of me and Jake's friends had a fight recently, and I was one of the corners, so I got the, uh, we all got a badge. It said "Coaches Pass." And I just walked everywhere like I like I knew what I was doing. Like, what's going on? Pass. Yeah. What's going on back here in the VIP? Huh? Yeah, I got a pass. Um, this is where we meet Michael Richards, though. He's, I guess. I guess he's Michael McKean's like sniveling number two by all accounts. I never got what he like was. It. I don't know what his job was supposed to be. Well, he wasn't he an accountant previously, so maybe. Yeah, I, I still, yeah. they never really explained it. He's it, just there. It's like I will say for me, easily the weakest part of the movie is anytime uh, he's on screen. Essentially, oh, yeah. uh, I don't think his physical comedy is particularly funny. Mm-hmm. I, this ain't Seinfeld anymore. The character which, that he's playing is not very funny. I said, this ain't Seinfeld, which Seinfeld, welcome to the 90s, bitch. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, but we get some we get some plot drop here where McCain's basically like, I'm, ba- I'm going to fire everybody. And he's also like pressuring Michael Richards to, to work for the weekend. And we get this like awkward interaction where he's like, ah, my proctologist, I... I, I just it might I, be hemorrhoids. I think there's a I, I have a note in here somewhere where it's like they thought Michael Richards was so funny because they well, yeah, they just keep showing him so much in this well, you movie. Think, yeah. This is 1994 <laughs> where I think <laughs> Seinfeld still got to be hot at this point, right? Because I yeah I don't know, I don't when, know Seinfeld when Seinfeld started. started. Let me see. I'm looking. I'm gonna say it probably started right around this time. Yeah, because I, I feel like Richards yeah, was. 19... 1989 to 1998. So oh, wow. Seinfeld, so, okay, so, so Seinfeld is yeah. So Seinfeld is probably just killing it, and so they're thinking, oh, this is going to be a great side plot. They're gonna, they think this is going to be right. like Eddie, Eddie, uh, no, no, uh, Bill Murray in uh, uh, Caddyshack. Almost. Sure, yeah. I that's a that is a great uh, reference. This mm-hmm. is definitely what they had in mind for this because as the because the Bill Murray stuff has fuck all to do with the plot. Until they intersects in Caddyshack, mm. but but you remember all the Bill Murray stuff because mm. Bill Murray, uh, God love him, he's problematic too. But uh, <laughs> his shit's funny in that movie, and this shit's not very funny. Negative. But if but if we didn't have this padding out of the movie, the movie would be like sixty minutes long. <laughs> so it's like, well, okay, I guess we're gonna have Michael Richard bumbling around. And well, I mean, dude, think of the target audience. I mean, this is a PG thirteen movie. They're definitely going for like a. You know, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen-year-old crowd right. might play better. Yeah, we're not. Know, we're not getting a lot of. Audience. We're not getting. It costs a little bit in this, but definitely not a lot of f bombs and stuff. Well, in no, this. I don't. There's none. Yeah, right? it's very. It's a very clean movie for being what it's about. Like, so there's no drug references. There's, no drug references. There, there's like, only a few. Like Joe Montana drinks Budweiser here and there. Yeah, like there's and, like a the picture of Brendan Fraser's yeah. girlfriend where she's like in a bikini, but yeah. No, I mean, See, I guess there is like a sex scene, but it's shot very goofily. Yes. It's not too gratuitous or anything like that and um, the, Steve Buscemi likes up one cigarette which well that wasn't a thing back in the 90s yeah where you know like like that was a, a ratings thing that's just what people did in movies right. yeah I mean it's because it kind of the later 90s I think where it began to be an issue yeah I feel like if you watch talk radio he's probably like chain smoking in the studio yeah, yeah. and that or something well that one's rated R though too that's not the yeah. well, I was, I was listening to a sports podcast where they talk about how People didn't know this, but in like the nineties, there were like baseball managers in the dugout just lighting heaters one after another. Oh, for sure, camera. for sure. Uh, I mean, like we always talk about, like uh, the movie Halloween. John Carpenter is literally two feet away from the camera, just chain smoking the whole time, like directing a movie. <laughs> so, so yeah, smoking. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good point, though. Andrew's like back then smoking. It's actually kind of weird that they go, "You can't smoke in here," right. but they try to wave it off by having. But he's got like an ashtray like, in back there. Back in like the yeah. late '80s, you could just smoke 
in malls or indoors. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I you could still smoke in planes. I think in the early eighties, <laughs> I, I think you could. I think they banned smoking in planes for like the early two thousands. Yeah, I think so. They probably had like smoking sections on planes for a while. I think I don't know. I don't. I don't. I've only flown ever a couple times, but I think they kind of knocked off the smoking in planes like in the eighties or maybe nineties. I have no. 90s. I have no clue. I I've flown like one time in my life, and <laughs> I, I I wasn't even born until nineteen ninety. So you know, uh, well, they said us. Uh, you're right. Smoking in planes became less effective in nineteen eighty eight. <laughs> well, I'm thank God being trapped in a tin can in the sky and people are just chain smoking the whole right. time. Yeah, it doesn't seem like a good idea. <laughs> well, it's like uh, I was listening to a podcast and he was talking about how he worked as a bouncer at a bar and and, it, and in between two summers it was like the first summer smoking was still accepted in bars. The second summer the they had changed it to you you got to go outside to smoke and he's like the environment was so wildly different mm. from people just not chain smoking in a bar he's like mm -hmm. how he's like how many waitresses and bouncers and bartenders have we killed over the years <laughs> <laughs> like with just people blowing well, just, well, just me i grew up everybody in my family pretty much smoked my mom smoked my dad smoked my brother smoked while my sister smoked and then when i moved out it was just like smoke didn't bother me but then it's like holy shit this is i i'm actually kind of dreading going home because mm. I whenever I spend time away from my house because both of my parents chain smoke mm -hmm. like they're like they talk uh, they talk and then they smoke and then they kind of breathe occasionally and it's <laughs> like if I'm not in that house for a few days and I come back it just hits me like a mm -hmm. fucking gut punch well, every time I walk in there well, uh, the bar by my house like was didn't didn't go non-smoking until 2020 when COVID before that you walk in there and I'm not using your own smoke you just be a cloud of smoke, and I grab my shirt from the next day and wash it. It smells like a fucking ashtray. It's yeah, like, 100%. Man, that's, <laughs> that's rough. Uh, but again, speaking of like how quickly this movie jumps off, they basically just walk straight into the studio. And like Ian seems to be more amused by this at first than anything. He just immediately kicks one of the mics on, goes on air, spins it around to Fraser. He's like, So, you guys want me to play your demo? Oh, Tell me. It Tell me about yourself. I think it just shows you how bored he is, which was the mundane, yeah. just everything. Doesn't he? I think he tells him to piss off, like, kind of feebly once. And yeah. Then they're like, and Brendan Fraser is like, like, look, dude, we're, you know, this is really important. And, you know, we got to play our He's song. He's just kind of like, all right, you guys. Because he comments on, like, how'd you even get in here? It's like, really hard to get in here. And they were like, yeah, it was a pain in the ass. And he kind of goes, hmm, interesting. I think Steve Buscemi, <laughs> right. doesn't Steve Buscemi say it's tired than a dolphin's cunt or something yeah, like that? He doesn't say cunt. <laughs> oh, I thought he said dolphin. Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> we just talked about this movie doesn't even have F-bombs. Yeah, good point. I don't think Buscemi's <laughs> dropping cunt. I think he Probably said, not. I think he no, says tighter than a dolphin's butthole. Oh, and yeah. I think Sandler goes, watertight yeah, or something no, like that. Free laugh. <laughs> well, my favorite part of that is just like the Brendan Fraser being like, oh, oh, we had a break in here. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like just the way he says that is oh. like, oh, you know, oh, we, duh. We, we had a break in. <laughs> There's a, uh, he's like, speaking of the language, his girlfriend's like, that was my makeup kit, you but that, yeah, that's there's, her, that's her. I have so there's so many lines here where I'm just like, I remember as a kid watching it and turning off because like, is this edited? <laughs> yeah, it does kind of read like, like an edited I, movie. I'll just say I have I have a note where it's when Brit and Fraser yells at like, shut your face. Like, I could definitely see this that? being one of those movies where like it was written to be an R comedy and then the studio's like we want it to be 
for sure. I, 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 I think it works as PG thirteen. I obviously, I, I think it's a fine choice. This is this is a classic, clear tinted classics episode where I literally finished the movie thirty minutes before we started recording. So I've not done any research on the film, but I would be willing to put a lot of money down that this was a script that somebody wrote in like nineteen eighty four, and it got kicked around for a while, and eventually they finally attached a couple people. And we're like, fuck it. And they, and they barely updated it, uh, for the times. Cause there's like, there is a lot of eighties isms in this movie for sure. Uh, and, and yeah. but, and, but then it's also like the studio comes in and goes, yeah, we're taking out all the curse words. And, <laughs> but then they still have to squeeze in like a, you can't, <laughs> there's a lot of good, like dry lines from McKean where they can't cuss on the radio, even though, just... <laughs> cause it is, a, it's a classic, uh, they play it like a straight ahead comedy, but there's you know, a version of these events that almost play more like a black comedy, like a dark comedy, you know? Mm-hmm. And cause, cause the, they're being, there's all these people that are being held hostage, but they're also blase about yeah, it. And that's like where a lot of the humor is coming well, from. Well, it's the best hostage, uh, <laughs> uh, freaking, uh, you know, terrorist, whatever relationship ever. Cause yeah. towards the end, there are no hostages. Everybody's just on board with what's yeah, going on. It's just, it, there's like, a, I feel like there's literally a moment like midway through the movie where John Montaigne, uh, like pulls Frazier aside and I can tell it was almost like the movie was trying to be like, we've been goofing around, but this is a serious situation. So we're going to have him sort of explain things to Frazier. Like, Hey, you know, we're hostages. And Frazier's like, yeah, 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 totally. Uh, but so it's like, it was, I was trying to like, you know, stay on the wavelength of this movie, but it generally maintains an air of like, I mean, there's in real life, if they just came outside and were like, yelling at the crowd and pumping up. like there's no fucking way they don't just get like gunned down yeah. uh <laughs> but, well the whole idea they're, they're actually do good in the script of like making sure there's always a man on the inside who's got a they gun. do they do so, they've some, always they've always got someone inside some like of, some of that 90s movie era where they don't totally install your intelligence i feel like right well, i mean it's it's very much like hollywood logic but it does good actually sticking to the lot like i don't i didn't maybe there's some plot holes but i didn't catch any you know, seeing the movie for how nothing, many times nothing I've seen super it. gigantic. The, like one, I'd say, I'd say one of the biggest leaps of logic is them when they when they need to give Michael Richards the gun, they go through the effort of putting SWAT guys on the roof, but they try to like play it because like, oh, it's just a tiny hole, and you see Michael Michael Richards is like barely able to peek through a little slot or whatever. I, I can tell they tried to do that because they knew people would be like. Well, why doesn't the SWAT guy just go in if they just want someone on the inside with a gun? So they're trying to sort of like right. justify why the SWAT guys don't just go right. in from well, the it's, there's it's a it, it's a, there's a lot of convenience as far as like the way things play out or, or the timing of things, but like everything's motivated. And Honestly, set up. I, I, a lot of it goes back to me um, it, to Joe Montana and Ernie Hudson they're having a lot of the weight of the plausibility of the movie being placed on their shoulders because mm-hmm. the way, the way Ian's acting in the situation, he's facilitating a lot of what's going on inside. And then Ernie Hudson is facilitating a lot of what's going on outside. He right. keeps being like, this is a nonviolent situation. We're in negotiations. Like the, the SWAT team can't just take over. And, and because he's got like actual chops and gravitas, you're like, yeah, 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 this is fine. Right. right. And then eventually they get so many people there that they would have a riot on their hands if they gun these guys down. And right. so that's where they kind of have their safety net but, at a certain right. point. Like, yeah, it's not realistic, <laughs> but again, like using Hollywood logic, everything sort of works out. But, but I think <laughs> what, what, what I wanted to say though, too, is like, 
like I like the way that the movie escalates because you know everything like it starts off of like you know the 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 gun thing is not related to them going breaking into the radio station right you they know just, they just like, had him on it's him. just convenient like again so it's convenient but it's not impossible yeah. Shemmy's like if anyone tries to give us any lip I'll show, shove this in their face and they're like oh cool right a water pistol or whatever and but. so yeah and the guns come out when uh uh yeah, Ian but, tries to to he, manhandle he, uh. Steve well, Buscemi's character, or not Ian, but no, yeah, uh, McKean, Milo. McKean, McKean hears this on the because ra- they're on the radio. And he's like, "The fuck is going on?" He goes in there and he's like, "Get the fuck out of here!" And then he lips off to Buscemi, and Buscemi pulls the yeah, gat. Yeah. Well, which, it's uh, kind of a funny thing because Buscemi made the comment when he was talking about how he puts pepper sauce in his guns, like <laughs> some Hollywood trash comes up talking to me, and that's what. <laughs> Michael McKean calls him Hollywood Boulevard trash. Yeah, he's like, so I, he's I like I'm like trash, huh? Yeah. I feel like that's a trigger there. <laughs> and, right, right. Yeah. And uh, the biggest thing is, I kind of bought this from Buscemi because he's kind of established as a bit of a wild man. I was curious, but Frazier just kind of gets on board pretty quickly because he, too, is like, no, we just want to play our song. And he's also decently dumb enough that I'm like, I think he thinks... No, we'll just play the song and we'll leave. It'll be fine because they right. d- they do seem quite baffled that the cops are there. Uh, but it's like they've been on public radio threatening right. people well, with guns. Well, the thing is, that's not even why the cops are. Really I cops. know it's so silly. They're like, how did they even know we were here? It's like, uh, but it is also like, well, actually, Michael Richards did call the cops. <laughs> it's well, it's weird. like one. I think they almost put that in there as a backup, so why they don't suspect someone called the cops? Almost. Yeah, and so. So basically, they're threatening. They 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 want to play their thing, but the only thing that Frazier brought is like a, a this weird tape. So it's a thing. real reel to reel, like a reel to reel, and they're like, "You gotta have one in the studio." So they no, no. you skip over one of the funniest parts. It's like Chad's told you to bring a cassette. The cassette makes my back rip. Looks like stuff's going nuts. Jesus, it's <laughs> perfection here. I watch this all the time. That sequence there makes me laugh. They have a lot of good back and forth. It's like, like Jesus, it's uh, perfection here. It's like. Like like cards on the table. I did laugh a lot while I was watching this movie. There's a lot of really funny lines. Uh, yeah. Then we they search for the uh, they we get introduced to Reggie Kathy who's yeah and plays Marcus I believe in the film. Yes. Uh, he they come in and McKean's like, hey, we need a reel to reel, and he's like, Ben, I told you never to come into the here, and you're fucking my don't, shit up. And don't bl- you knock? And yeah, and then so you you're already getting this guy's dynamic. Well, with, he brings up the whole. Oh, I see, white man just think you walk in here, order me around. <laughs> yeah, but uh, then Buscemi shows the gun, and he's like, oh. No, but then he still he also a, threatens him. He gives a good line where it's like, oh damn. <laughs> yeah. And then well, then after that we get a uh, Adam Sandler talking to Reggie Kathy, which I said. This is every suburban white kid who likes rap trying to talk oh, to black people in the it's, 90s. It's, it's so brutal because uh, uh, he's trying to put together the real to real. And Sandler's like, you know, I'm a big, you know, we love Hendrix, man. It's like, you know, when Public <laughs> Enemy and Anthrax teamed up, that was, I was, I'm down, you know, G. And he's like, don't call me G, man. He's like, well, what should I call you? And he just like, it looks at him. And it, it's, it, they only hit this beat a couple times, but Sandler just really is trying to be down i guess i don't know it's a it's a weird well, subplot well, and then that's when uh reggie kathy threatened steve Buscemi said once you lose that gun we gonna throw down yeah <laughs> and, we get, and we he does he does follow up on that threat get, but then we get up uh, shut your pile pile what's that some kind of crack of slang <laughs> yeah. it, it kind of is yes. <laughs> i think this is where i got my note just says they thought richards was so funny I think yes. this is him just bumbling around. Well, in the he's bumbling around. And I imagine making a shit ton of noise in the air duct, which I think I feel like people would say, "Can't they hear that?" But here's the thing: know why this movie probably works a little bit? 
I feel like everybody in this movie is good, but they reek of incompetence. Yeah, it's true. It, it does help that our our three would be hostage takers are bad at yes. what they're doing, right. and they're not. Uh, yeah, so they but they get the they put the reel to reel together. They try to play it. Uh, oh, we get we get more awesome back and forth from Sandler and Joe Montana. It was like, who are you guys? My name's Pip. The band. The he band doesn't... name. The guy doesn't... doesn't wear a helmet. He doesn't wear a helmet, does he? <laughs> yeah. Joe Montaigne just has some of these lines where it's just like <laughs> He's like, We're the Lone Rangers, and they just do not understand why that's a oh, dumb that's... name. <laughs> Which I have I have in my notes, greatest band names ever in contender for my next fantasy football team name. The, the, and... the Lone Rangers is very funny. Yeah, and I but, I but it is but what's funny is it's like it kind of works in an ironic way. The fact that a running gag in this movie is that it's such a bad band name. I kind of like it yeah. actually because it's funny. If you were self-aware and that was why you named yourselves the Lone Rangers, it's a funny name. Which, but the the joke is they're too stupid to understand. Which I've <laughs> I've ripped off the conversation where it's like that. How how can you pluralize the Lone Rangers? What's wrong with that? Well, you're not exactly alone. There's three of you. Shouldn't you be the three Rangers? <laughs> No idea what you're saying right now. You lost me. Like anytime someone's trying to explain something, I'm just playing dumb. Like no idea what you're saying. You lost me. Um, but yeah. So and this is where we got the smoking bit. This kind of feeds into what's about to happen. So which it also made me laugh. They pretty much just see Bushimi. This is only time as a smoker fires up a heater. Other than that, he does not show any inclined to smoke. Doesn't walk outside. Just like. We need a cigarette. He does get a, he does get a good line out of it though, where he's he lights up and McKean's like, "No smoking in here." And he goes, "Yeah, well, what am I doing?" And I, like blows a plume in well, McKean's face. I just think it's funny <laughs> if he's a smoker and you're you're part of a hostage situation. Wouldn't you want to be like, "Let me sneak off here and light one real quick"? But he doesn't try to smoke any other time. Other when they need a cigarette to, to light something on fire. Yeah, so they I did. love I love the efficiency of the script though, because like from this one little gag, like they get like two things because you get like. You know, first of all, you get the dynamic of, you know, stupid shimming being completely disrespectful to uh, uh, McKeon. But, and then uh, Joe Montaigne is like, no, like, seriously, the, the smoke can damage the equipment. And then you see Steve Buscemi's, like, deference and respect mm -hmm. for the DJ, and he puts the cigarette out. And then, like, you also get the setup for the shit catching on fire, you know, yeah, yeah. two minutes later. Cause so, that, like, it dude, is the like... script is really good at, like, just being efficient and doing a lot of things. As, as Tarantino establishes up. in uh, in Inglorious Bastards, that type of film is very flammable. So the the thing they play like two seconds of their song, which I will say, one of the running things and as a first time viewer of this film is the lead up to the song is like interminable because <laughs> I they don't they you get a couple you get a couple guitar notes of the opening but because so this entire movie is hinging on them wanting to play their single but i as a viewer i'm like i have no clue if this band sucks or if they're any good because well, you cool. only have their word for well, it and, and also you don't really know because they kind of is there success afterwards because of their song or because they pulled this giant stunt i will say having listened to their song which i found fun uh i would say definitely the stunt i don't their music is pretty mid uh, I would say, but it is like, it's one of those things where you can't build a piece of music up that much and ever have it live up to the hype. It, mm. it just never will. I do. Get it, it's, it's why, it's why, uh, it's why Tenacious D has that song tribute. <laughs> you guys ever heard that song? Yeah. Uh, it, 
it's this is the greatest song in the world tribute because <laughs> they, they can't make the greatest song in the world but that's like the joke of the song is they're they're singing about how they it's basically the plot of their movie the hmm. pick of destiny because like seen that either. they have to fight the devil by doing the best song ever and like i don't know which came first tribute the song or the movie but uh, the closest like song to movie i can think of is this a back was a the 50 cent give it your diet trying the hustle's ambition song used for that movie that was at least a popular song that was on MTV and the radio. Right. I feel like. It's just like no, no like, piece, no piece of music is ever transcendent enough to I hang an entire plot. On I don't it, though. feel like if Degenerated <laughs> played on the radio in '94, it would have been popular. It reminds me of uh, like Hustle and Flow to a certain extent oh. too, where it's like, awesome. like I like that song, but it's like, is this like a generation impacting song? It's like. Is I was raised in the streets trying to through find my, my mind or whatever. Through my eyes, I see some crazy things in the streets. <laughs> Which I like, I like the song. On the changes for me. But it's, but like, but it's keep, like also like this. Can, this is the song. I can quote those lyrics just so you know. <laughs> it's a good song. I like the song. The guy that the guy that directed that movie is the same guy that directed Black Snake Moan. Which is one of my favorite movies. And Three Six Mafia sang that movie, so you know it's a banger. <laughs> sang the song anyway. Uh, but so yeah, I will say the payoff with the song was like, eh. especially in a movie that's. I think it's on it. Like I think it's a good song. Like it's, it's not, not like it's I'm not, not saying it's not I mean, a great song, it's but not, it's just like, like I, I think it's better. Like one of the things that like, you know, I, I think we talked about this recently. Of of you know, a year or two ago, I watched the new um, Star Is Born with like Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper. Sure. And I was like, you know, the music's a really that it's a it's about it's a movie about music. The music is important. I think the music in there is not good. Mm. Like, just across the board, you know. Like I, other people like it, that's fine. I'm not judging anybody. I've never. Seen I think it. it's not good music. That's interesting. And you know, so that takes me out of the movie. So I'm like, as long as the music doesn't suck, I'm like, it's it's good enough for me, you know. And another one is is the the TV show Chosen. Where chosen supposed you know chosen's a rapper and every song or every episode they do a song and like the the um lyrics of his songs are not good <laughs> and like I want like I'm like I think that might have been why the show is only one season because it's a good show but you were supposed to buy the fact that chosen know, is a good I don't rapper know, if I know, know what chosen is I uh, it, it's a just a Produced by the um, uh, what's his name who did Archer, is one of the executive producers okay. on it. Uh, it's got a pretty good cast. Got like a so is it uh, animated? Yeah, it's an animated show. And okay, uh, chosen's like this uh, uh white gay rapper <laughs> and uh, Method <laughs> oh, Man or Red that. Man or somebody is like his nemesis and chosen like, with an Ozen. <laughs> <laughs> and like uh um, who else is? It? I don't know. It's, it's got a pretty good, pretty solid cast in okay. it though. That's interesting. And it's, it's I a great have, show. It's I a really leaned away from the mic for that. <laughs> it's a really fun show, but the music in it is like sub-media. It's not awful, but like it's it's, it's hard. It's, I, it's on the lower end of mediocre, and it's like you're supposed to buy that chosen's like like this. If not, maybe not a great rapper, but at least a good one. And it's like you're not really giving that to me. I'd honestly say the closest I've gotten to a transcendent piece of music that actually lives up to the hype is Black Snake Moan, like. <laughs> When she's like, he's like, why don't you sing me that song? And he does the Black Snake song. It's like, yeah. Black Snake is evil. Like, I mean, right. the music in that. Uh, Craig Brewer is just good at the right. music stuff, though. The, but, cl uh, <laughs> the closest right. music movie I can think of is a movie I know never, nobody's probably ever seen. I saw it. Me and my brother watched MTV. It was called Play the Hip Hop Story. And <laughs> okay. It's, well, it's just supposed to be like, they're trying to like 
use an outlier, the Chewbacca and Biggie rivalry with these sure, two rappers. Sure, sure. And the rappers who sing the songs, not the actors, I've never heard of them, but they're not bad. And But then I try to find the songs, I can't find them. But. I do like the music from the Marky Mark movie Rockstar. Never seen it. Uh, I, I, oh, is that the one with Jennifer Aniston? Yeah. Oh, I've seen bits and pieces of it. Uh, yeah, they do the, they do the, like, they do, there's some good songs in that one that they made for the movie. It's just mm-hmm. hard. Uh, but right. in the context of Airheads, I think it kind of works because they, you know, it's, it's brought up frequently throughout the movie. They have ambitions. They just, they, they want their music to be heard, but they don't have anything deep to say. So right. I wasn't expecting some deep song. And so it kind of lives up to, yeah, this is the kind of music this, right. these, these people would make. These are just kind of guys that are into rock and roll. Like, that's it. That's, you know. So so it fits. I do think right. it fits. Uh, but it is funny to build the hype up for Because even when they're playing it through the speakers at the end of the movie, you can't quite hear the song that well. Uh, and they finally crank it up for, like, the prison concert at the end. But it's like, I'm like, waiting for like the song to hit because well, i'm like i gotta right. hear this fucking song <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah, i like it it made, it made my spotify playlist that's where i found it but well, as i was driving here i was just going i was like singing i, I do, was singing it in my head i do like it's a catchy <laughs> yeah. tune to the old did you write it and yeah I, for sure yeah. i like the beginning where it's like sandler who like clearly did not learn to play the drums for this at all he looks so bad uh but I guess I guess if it wasn't clear, they try to play the tape and it spins out, goes in the ashtray, lights on fire, shit, the tape's gone. Now what do we do? Run. They they go to which, they go to bail. Which another funny is they run and Reggie Kathy goes, It's the inbreeding. I'm like, that's a funny line. <laughs> it's the inbreeding. They go to run out. They make they see a cop out there. They make Sandler go out on his own. They oh, do this really this weird is, standoff. It's it's just funny yeah. Sandler before he was Sandler. Where and how many times I've seen this movie, I have no clue what song is playing, but I can quote the lyrics. Like, baby, do you want? And he just starts doing the like, and then he runs back and he's like, I don't want to go to jail, guys. And I'm fragile. I'm fragile. They run to another thing that there's cops everywhere. We we saw earlier there was a lady at the desk playing like Game Boy or I don't even know what she's playing. Like, <laughs> showed you how I think it was how, one of like the Atari or, or Sega. How maybe, new I was, I just like, handhelds. I'm just thinking, oh, she's playing on her phone, but that's like, it's 94. No, she's not. Yeah, it's pretty weird. Uh, they, she's like, can I help you? And they point their guns at her. She's like, oh shit. And they're like, we got to round everybody up. We get a brief montage of them. Like, but there's really not that many people well, to round up. We well, just, it's just David Arquette. I have with the Eminem haircut. Welcome to the nineties, bitch. <laughs> yeah. He looks insane in this movie. I don't know. It's the bleach blonde Eminem, which I feel like was a hit in the nineties. I don't know yeah. where David Arquette came from or what his, like, if he was like, what his deal. Cause like he was a fixture for a while. Like, I was talking about him last night because I was saying I was going to have to watch Airheads for the show, and someone was like, David Arquette's in that. I was like, oh, that's fun. Because is- I was like, I, my, weirdly, my David Arquette touchstone isn't even Scream. It's Ready to Rumble, the, oh. the wrestling I'm, movie that he I did. am not familiar with him. So. <laughs> he's, he's, he's a fixture in the Scream franchise, which okay. is obviously his biggest thing. I've seen one my- of those. My introduction is with him was Scream in a 3,000 Miles to Graceland. 3,000 Miles to Graceland, of course. Uh, and then if you're a wrestling fan at all, he was the WWE champion. WCW. WCW. He was, he, they just, it was like kind of a stunt. It's weird, but it was a whole thing. I, I'm, I'm, well, <laughs> I'm well versed in that. It was just a very poor marketing decision. Uh, <laughs> but he's, 
but I, I actually like his dumb this, wrestling well, this movie. Is like, this is like two years after. I wasn't a fan of that movie, but this is like two years after he. <laughs> okay. Well, after he was ve- vaguely new with uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I think, oh, yeah. sure, sure, sure. That's like his like most famous movie before this. Yeah, okay. he looks insane in this movie. He's clearly supposed to be drugged out of yes. his mind, but there's no drug references oh, in no, this movie. This is they, the 90s. They drugs. grab Susie, they grab Marcus, they, they grab McCain and Ian, they Yvonne, throw them all in the room. Yes. Uh, y- Yvonne is our uh, front desk lady. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, they round everybody up. There's a pretty funny scene where they're like, everybody on the ground, and Susie's like, do you mind if I sit in a chair? And, I have a dress on. And I don't really want to grunge up my stuff, and they're like, you can sit down. And Michael McKean's like, well, she gets a sound. Well, I kind of said, and they're like, everybody gets a chair except you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like, everybody kind of hates Milo anyway. So it's just, I just like that gag. And they stick to it for a while. You just see him kind of sat in the corner. Well, even, well, even before this, Arquette, Arquette says, hey, if you're going to waste anybody, shoot Milo first. He's a, he's a putz. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they say pud and putz a few yes. times in this movie. It's just, is that, is that yeah, a 90s like reference that. as well? Oh, for sure. Welcome it's, to the 90s, bitch. Ni- welcome to the 90s, bitch, for sure. Uh, we, we we meet we meet our main cops Ernie Hudson's on the scene. We see Grandma's boy for a second, yes. uh, but then we mostly see him interact with. It. There, we there, see there's like the hints of an interesting dynamic here where Hudson seems to be like encouraging Farley and seems to know he's capable of being competent. Uh, but you're so used Which, to Far you're so used to Farley being a like a bumbling well, uh, fucking idiot and everything, say, right? I will say Farley shows up and he's one of the few. Is there? comedy actor who as soon as you see their face you just instantly start smiling he's, he's I mean, one he, of those he's for me. got it he does like, have it i will say my si- for my sister it's will ferrell <laughs> but it, for me it's farley as soon as he shows up and he's just his facial features it's just like he he was he was one of the good ones yes. and it, it's a shame that you know like if he hadn't you know been so out of control yes, with- uh which it, and that's not me looking down on addicts at all it, it's it's, a, it's own, ball doesn't get it's its own thing me. but well, I I feel like if he had kept going, we would have gotten like because because like, Sandler's turned in dramatic performances. I guarantee you, we could have had like a good, like sad clown behind the mask Farley movie hmm. at some point that somebody did, and it would have been fucking I feel, great. I feel like uh, Attic is a soft turn when you do. Attic is like John Mulaney's addicted to cocaine. Farley died from a fucking speedball. Yeah, which I is... mean he was he was yeah. The, there's always like a clip people play like look at Farley's crazy entrance to SNL where he's like jumping around and he goes and jumps in a dumpster. I'm like yeah. That's cocaine. Uh, he was on a lot of cocaine. I did see a, a clip today where it was apparently like Demi Lovato admitted she was like doing a lot of cocaine when she was like on a Disney show. And there's like these two still images of her smiling like a crazy person. <laughs> They're like, I've been having a, a lot of fun watching this show again, knowing she's coked up the whole time. Uh, <laughs> well, that's just like the John, the John Mulaney's dip. Let me read this interview I did, I did a while ago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this sound like a sane person. Yeah, he's like, he's like, a lot of my comedy, I used to talk really fast at the audience. He's like, there was a certain reason for that. I'm not doing that anymore. And it's like, uh, but yeah, it's just, it, it's pretty wild. So uh, everybody's been rounded up, though. And we and we meet Ernie Hudson and the cops. They they call. Ian picks up the phone. He's, he's like trying to kind of still be professional, like WKKP or WKK. I can't remember. It's like KKXY or WKPPX, uh, KPPX, something like that. There's some X's in there. And there's some numbers, some he, letters, who he, knows? He's like, it's the cops and they want to know your demands. They're like, oh, fuck you. Hang. They want to talk to you. Fuck you. Hang up on him. He hangs up and he's basically like, but what are your demands? And they're like, what are our demands? And Ian's just kind of watching them bumble around. He just goes, well, the, hey, well, well, uh, 
Well, there's come, the come moment. Me, there's a moment too where like <laughs> David comes like, "Can I have something to eat?" And it's like Chaz and Brandon Fraser like, "Why is everybody staring at me?" He's like, They're hungry. He's like, "Well, I don't care. Whatever. Let me think." Uh, but Ian, Ian, well, and also you get the more good Joe Dante and Adam Sandler back forth where it's like hostages. What does he mean by demands? <laughs> I got. Let me link, put you on this curly. What you're doing is a felony. It's like I don't want anything. I just don't want to go outside. <laughs> so what do you want? I don't want anything. I just don't want to go outside. Uh, but also, it should be noted, Susie's making googly eyes at Santa yes. throughout all of this. <laughs> yes, uh, and we but... get the whole where it's like, you bet you like answering phones. Yes, like six hour day. Wow, what a drag. <laughs> and, and Reggie Kathy's like. Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, I feel like we've all known that guy that was like, what did they see in you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jake uh, has a pretty famous story. One of our friends is passed out on a chair, like drunk and high off his mind. And yet this girl is still just grinding on. Him. He doesn't even know what's going on. Yeah. There's like, there's like the, the ratio of this party is like probably like seven guys to every girl. And the guy that's passed out in the corner, she's still like sitting on his lap. He's literally like, he's passed out he's like unconscious and she's like giving him a lap dance and i'm like what is happening right now <laughs> but wow. yeah, yes <laughs> so we've all known that guy where it's like what's the deal but ian gives him a talking to like you're holding us hostage you should have some demands and brendan Fraser's Fra Fra basically like okay well the whole reason we came in here is we want to play our song because they saw that the sons of thunder got popular because they got their song played on the radio He's like, wait, I have a tape that my girlfriend has, and so we need to find her. We well, have, we have well and Ian sets it up like the only thing for you to do now is to give up and Let surrender to the cop. And he's like, oh, you mean I should get the other tape? Yeah. He, <laughs> and they do the high-fiving seat. <laughs> Joe Montana just has a defeated look like, because he doesn't even get to say he's like so there's only one thing left to do and he's like to get, get the, the other, other tape. tape and he's like of course and you just see him be like oh shit uh <laughs> we of course cut to her throwing the tape out in the street uh this tape yes. will be used and abused for yes. a while throughout it'll be a running gag in this movie and she's like son of a bitch yeah. like throws it out uh she's going out on the town kayla's a bit unstable also <laughs> uh, at this a, point a little, a little bit, bit for sure uh, oh, she's got layers <laughs> uh but he goes outside to talk to Ernie Hudson again, like Andrew did point out, they, they have Sandler in the entryway, basically holding a gun to Javon's mm -hmm. to be like Brendan Fraser. And they, they all come up on guns and Fraser's like, and Ernie Hudson's like, whoa, 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 whoa. He's like, what the hell was that, man? You said that you wanted to talk to me. So he's so dumb. Uh, but which, Ernie Hudson's the nicest LAPD officer ever, oh, yeah. <laughs> which I think is hilarious. This is definitely probably during right before the rampart scandal in well, los it's, angeles it's clearly right before the uh, right after the rodney king thing well, yeah i think that uh, was 91 or two we'll, we'll get we'll get I a think, we'll get a pretty heavy rodney king i think I, well i think rampart <laughs> sue was like 96 97 where yeah. they pretty much they discovered the bloods has infiltrated the majority of the lapd it's uh yeah the lapd's pretty notorious uh police force ernie hudson's yes. apparently like the one good cop <laughs> uh, oh but, yeah uh, so and, but we, he, he talks to, he talks to Frazier and Frazier's like, you got to find my girlfriend. He's like, well, what's her number? I'll call her. He's like, I, I already tried that band. We also get a nice, uh, <laughs> couple's answer machine. Answering machine. Oh, it's so brutal. <laughs> yes. Uh, he's like, you've reached K Kayla. Leave a message for Kayla. Yeah. Leave a message for Chaz. <laughs> and he's like, damn it. Uh, but he's like, here, this, he's got the, the picture he has of her is insane. It, it's like this, like butt shot of her, like leaning over a car or it's, something. 
It's about every girl's OnlyFans tease picture, I feel like. Pretty much. <laughs> and, like, I mean, she's great. She's great looking. Uh, I mean, I don't think she was in this film for her acting abilities. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> well, I do like his response when, you know, she's a hands real up, looker. She's a real looker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's super just... pissed at me. <laughs> <laughs> she, uh, we see here. Uh, talks oh, we get we get more uh, suburban '90s white kids talking to black kids. Yeah, because in the meantime, he's he's there with Yvonne, and he's starting to be like, he's like, I think it's like unfair, man. Yeah, why like, don't bl- why don't black people like me? And he's he's asking why they don't like him. And he says like, I'm I'm you know I feel bad that he he basically stereotypes her, and yeah. she's like, I've never had that happen. He's like, I'm just saying it's it, bad. It, he's like, well, look at Chaz talking to the sergeant. <laughs> it's it's pretty brutal, uh, but. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll get, we'll get some justice for Yvonne here in a second, yes. but they basically Frazier's like, find my girlfriend. And they're like, where is she? And he's like, I don't fucking know. And goes back inside. Like, try the whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> try, try the strip. Maybe the whiskey. <laughs> so she's just out on the town. Uh, they're like, well, we need you to release the hostage. So they go back to the room and, and then we get, they're like, oh, let's release Yvonne. Then we get more Adam Sandler being a dope. Yeah. And, and more, and more uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, he's like, he's very solemn. He's like. I'll go. One of the hostages. He's <laughs> like, oh, well, let's do Yvonne. McKean's like, why well, are you picking the women? That just seems like he's trying to like spin it to where it's mm-hmm. not fair. And they, they just go, all right, Yvonne. You're- well, no, it, it goes, he goes, I mean, we could draw straws. Okay, that's a good idea. Yvonne, go. You'll be home. And he says, you'll be home for the Simpsons. You'll I say, for the Simpsons. I say, Simpsons. Welcome to the 90s, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> but Joe Montaigne, I think, was a character on the Simpsons, I believe. Probably. Uh, I believe he's a pretty prolific voice actor as well. Uh, this is also where we get, so yeah, we, we release Yvonne, Buscemi poses for the crowd. He's, he loves this crowd oh, yeah. shit. He's, he's fucking eating it up. And he's <laughs> awesome at this. I'm not even sure what to call his character other than this unhinged wild man. Well, he looks like, like if you wanted to make a movie about a trailer park. Oh, like fuck, this is yeah. the character you would make. And but... It's funny. <laughs> he looks less creepy in this movie than a lot of his other movies. Yeah. But he, he's. He of the group dynamic, he's definitely the more he loves the crowd. He's he's hungry for the money and the fame the most. Uh, he's Man. he kind of. I'm surprised they don't make more of it, but he kind of tries to pull one over on Frazier at the end mm. of the movie just to get him to sign a contract. Yeah. Uh, he's he's definitely the sleaziest of the three. Uh, but he's he's eating the crowd stuff up. But they really well, definitely the one with the less morals of the three for I would sure. Say, yeah. uh, and but they release Yvonne, and as they're going back inside, this is where we get. Buscemi's with Sandler. He's like, he's like, you gotta be topping there on the man. He's like, you gotta, he's like, show me your thing. He's like, Sandler's like, please move get, over to get, the, up, get over there, please. Thank you. <laughs> he's like, no. He's like, I'll cut your fucking. And he's like, and then finally, you shut your mouth. You'll be eating balls to your fucking nigga. <laughs> yeah. He's like, he's like, I'll de- stab you. He's like, yeah, stab him with what? He's like, with my dick. <laughs> What's well, gonna come out of your head? There's nothing you can do about it because I'm a madman. Yeah. And he did. He, like, it's like the full Sandler face. Yes. It, 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 it's it, definitely it, Sandler before Sandler was Sandler. Yeah. And then Buscemi's like, good job, yeah. man. I'm I'm probably gonna stop talking about Michael Richards in this movie for the most oh, part, but because this is where I have my note, is he just doing Kramer things? <laughs> yeah, and I said it doesn't work in this movie because he oversees this and he freaks out about it or whatever. But yeah. well, you also get where uh, he says good job, and Sam was like, it hurt my throat. <laughs> <laughs> it hurt my throat. Like, well, have fun with that for the rest of your career, Sam. Right. <laughs> Didn't hurt enough, obviously. <laughs> but the SWAT team shows up. We get introduced to the head guy. He's introduced as like like twelve years of marriage down the tubes, yes. blah blah. blah like this is a side plot that I just 
Blah. Well, because his side Blah. plot basically gets folded into the Richard side plot Richard, because right. they connect, and so we just threw out the movie. I'm just gonna say it here. Well, I thought it was funny, like like real quick, just like sure. you know, Richard's calls up, he gets on the phone, you know, he's he's trying, he's like, put me through to somebody on the scene. He gets a SWAT guy, Which and the SWAT guy immediately starts talking about his marriage to this guy. <laughs> like that. Kind Which of- is that a mid? Is that an early '90s cell phone he has? <laughs> Uh, yeah. Long well, yeah. in the 90s, bitch. <laughs> uh, but, so, Richard, basically, the, the head SWAT, Ernie Hudson shot, shuts the head SWAT guy down. He's like, it's not a violent situation yet, but then he's like- I'm in the middle of negotiations, God damn it. <laughs> yeah. We're, it's, uh, the, it's, we're Richard, has- Richards gets a hold of the guy, and he's like, you're going to be my man on the inside. He's like, do you have any training? He's like, I was in the Merchant Marines. Marines, like, affirmative. Marines, good, good, good. He's like, I was just an accountant. No, no one's going to hold you accountable. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but so literally Andrew came down at this point when I was watching the movie later as I was I was writing the note because they, they're like, oh, they don't have real guns. But then I was like, well, Richards has a real gun. And I was like, so the gun's going to fire as they're charged. I was literally writing the note down like <laughs> before it even happened in the movie. That's not like dismissive of the movie. I just was like, I, I, You're jumping ahead quite a bit here. Well, no, I'm not jumping. Oh, I, okay. I was just saying, like, I, I'm literally like, the only reason the Richard subplot matters is because eventually they give him a real gun. This right. will be integral to mm. the plot later. Right. I'm gonna start skipping over all the Richard shit. From I now don't blame on, you because uh, it's it's just there's kinda, still some funny stuff between there. I feel like uh, some of the stuff with the, the SWAT cop guy, he's he's funny, yeah. but the Richard stuff is like. It's like, oh, he's eating a sandwich and crawling around. And he's okay. scrolling. Uh, <laughs> oh, he's laying himself on fire. He's doing all these exaggerated movements. He's doing, he's doing Kramer when I don't feel like Kramer fits in this movie. Yeah, it just Fair it's, enough. it's fine. I like Seinfeld too, but... Yeah, I like Seinfeld. It just didn't work here, I feel like. But basically, they we get a montage of them like playing records and mm-hmm. jamming out. It's it's very we get some like conversations like, why don't you play this which, stuff? It's it's, is, it's good shit. It's, is this soundtrack fucking Welcome to the Nineties as well? I feel like it is a little bit. Maybe but again, a little eighties. Again, the music skews a little eighties. Well, I think. And well, we also get where they uh, it's like where they take callers, and this is I enjoy Joe Montana here because it's like uh, you can't cuss on the air. He says to Brendan Fraser, then let's say the callers, and Joe Montana's like. Let's turn on your radio a bit, asshole. <laughs> yeah, and Milo's like, like, he's like, who cares? <laughs> okay. uh, but yeah. But then we get one caller, which it's funny you brought up Nirvana, because I feel like that's what he was talking about when he's like, you because re- a guy calls in, wants some tickets for some band, and Brendan Fraser goes, you really listen to that Seattle bullshit? <laughs> well, I feel like that's Nirvana they're talking about there. For sure. And then I, we, I, I think one of the most crazy calls they get. Oh, though. this is the most I've laughed. No matter, <laughs> I can watch this movie a hundred times. I have so much nostalgia in this. I'll laugh every time. The, whoa, am I on the air? <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> what? What did I just say, dipshit? <laughs> you guys are like the Lone Rangers, right? But let me get in there. <laughs> it's, uh, they get it. It's they, Beavis and Butthead. Welcome to the '90s, bitch. At this point, I don't even have to type "welcome." I just put "w" and it comes up. I just gotta hit buttons. <laughs> this is where I'm at in my notes, people. I'm curious for you because I don't have a long history with Beavis and Butthead, Andrew. <laughs> like, I mean, you're like they're well established at this point. I assume. Like, I don't even. Know I think it was it, still pretty new. Yeah, because I don't really understand. Because like, it had I, to be all, like maybe even brand new. I feel up. like if they were too popular that call would have been too jarring. So I had to assume that they weren't wildly in the zeitgeist at the point. Cause that's such a bizarre yeah. thing. So this to... was 94. I'm thinking Beavis and Butthead probably came out in either 93 or 94. Yeah. Uh, 93 was when they started. 
But it's like, yeah, so, we, we heard you guys at the music venue. We, yeah, yeah. So we you, saw, you guys suck. You guys are like <laughs> the Lone Rangers, right? We saw you guys at the wheel well, wheel well last month. You suck. You suck. <laughs> Why don't you just make all the chicks get naked? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I I must shut uh, up, Beavis. I must confess, I'm not a big Beavis and Butthead guy. Oh, uh, the new show, my dad made me sit down and watch a part of it the I other day. I haven't watched the new ones yet. Where the, uh, I think it, I don't know which ones. Beavis is the blonde. So, yes. Uh, he yeah. he steals Butthead's part of the couch, and then there's this long <laughs> war. He's like, he's like, ha! I got your side of the couch. I don't have the lump anymore. This is great. And he's like, eventually you're gonna have to go to the bathroom, and I'm gonna take my spot back. And, I haven't and, watched the new. And one. he's like, no, I'm never gonna go. And like, it basically like ends with him like exploding his kidney because he won't move off the couch or whatever. I was like, what am I? my dad was it's... like, this is so funny. And I was like, this is not hitting uh, for me So at much all. <laughs> of my childhood is me as a young... It's, it's really just the voices. The voices me are and... iconic. Oh, me yeah. and just the 90s of staying up late just to watch Beavis and Butthead late at night and sitting through the... Which, we'll get to that later, just sitting through the shitty, like, the MTV news bulletins and all the stupid... I like when they watch pop culture because when... The show came back for a little bit. I never watched the new ones. It was just... They did like a Skrillex video, and they're just like, oh, mm. what, what's well, this about? Well, didn't they watch UFC fights too? I thought I read somewhere. Uh, they yeah, they do a lot of like pop culture stuff, and there's like what there is one bit I saw that was funny where they're like, everything's like fucking so deserted and wasted here. It's like yeah, it must be must be Florida. Yeah, Florida sucks. <laughs> like, but it's just it, their humor is not quite up my. But uh, I am I, a huge Mike Judge fan. I I'm think just he's a so, genius. I'm so nostalgic about about head that anything they could do with their old stuff is funny. I need to watch the sure. new stuff. But it's just like my, my bro, like I said, my brother's eight years older than me. So when I'm like nine or eight, he's in his teenage years. Just this is the it thing. So me and him just watching on the couch, both laughing. I feel like <laughs> really hits hard for me when I was a kid. For me, it's like. I grew up on King of the Hill yeah. and uh, Office Space. I even yeah. I even really like the movie Extract. I think that's a pretty underrated it's, movie. Eh, I wasn't. A fan I worked at I worked in a factory, and I was like, oh, I he's worked, he's like nailing yeah. this. Uh, like, if you've ever worked in a factory, Extract is like, oh god, this was my life for a <laughs> while. He just he has a tendency. Mike Judge knows how to nail those work environments because. You know, he goes on to do Silicon Valley, obviously, and everyone's like, oh my God, this is exactly what these guys are like. Uh, he just has a a flair for it, for sure. But it's it's neither here nor there. It's literally just a little one-off bit in this movie, but it's just, it's jarring to be like, oh my God, Beavis which, and Butthead. Which yeah. <laughs> goes back to why I said this is the most, one of the most 90 movies I've ever seen. Like, <laughs> yeah. Beavis and Butthead were one that, like, you got Sandler, Farley, Beavis and Butthead, you got, like, the 90s, the early 90s, late 80s rock scene. Like, this is the most 90s movies ever. I feel like you got Rob Zombie. <laughs> Before he was big, even. But still, I feel like this is so 90s, all of this movie. Yeah, Zombie. <laughs> <laughs> My Dracula. Uh, but I do love this, uh, like, oh, you're on the news. Uh, and they turn, and this lady, this news, the, the news story they're running on these guys is very cutting yeah. uh, so i was like news, which, news i believe one of her lines was their mtv soaked minds which my note welcome to the 90s bitch <laughs> yeah but i feel like that was a big thing back then it was like mtv is corrupting the minds of our youth it is just like i feel like the news the news is never that uh flavored with with their reports right where it's just like they're 
these failed musicians thought that the only way that, and they're just like so many insults and Buscemi's He's like, I'd like to, what does he say? He said, it was cause she says something about the quote and he goes, I like to quote that bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but they've, they've made the I don't news. Know, I think local news can get kind of, it can be kind of like that sometimes. So I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's exactly realistic, but it's also not totally implausible. Yeah, they can go pretty hard in the paint. We get uh, Sandler's flirting with Susie a little yes. bit more. This is, this is where we get more of where Adam Sandler's really just uh, pretty much the Brendan Fraser said, "Yeah, he's a chick magnet. He just does." Oh even, yeah, because she's cutting his sleeves off yeah, for and, him. And, and Joe Montana's like, "How does he do that?" Yeah, and <laughs> Brendan Fraser's like, "Just the quiet, cool, like yeah, chicks lock on for some <laughs> it's, reason. It's, it's pretty silly." Yeah. We we get the it's, but totally believable in my opinion. Like Ian, uh, so like McKean. Uh, Buscemi's uh, Frazier and and Montaigne are like in the studio. We get this weird subplot where he's like, because they like were raiding the studio because well, they're talking. He's like, oh, I found this box of all this. He's well, like, no, well, this guy get, listens to Kenny uh, G. I also want to get into where uh, Buscemi says like, why don't you guys play these songs? And he's like, if they're so great, why don't they? This is one of the reasons I quit listening to radio because same songs over and over again. Which right. was there an interesting you guys point where it's like. For as far as songs like radio, I'm out. Like me was about like 2009 where I quit listening to music and switched over to like ESPN radio because hmm. it got really the same shit. Then I realized like I felt like at least the rate like I listened to obviously like mid 2000s hip hop like the Hot Run 7.9 and Wild 96.3. I don't think the latter exists anymore. That's a good question. But like I feel like they really started catering more towards like a female listening audience and i didn't feel like i was part of the demographic anymore so really it's like i'll either listen to my it's still an error i'll listen to my cds or i'll listen to espn radio but is there a point where you guys just quit listening to music really on the radio i'm not talking about all completely but just where it's like that's not where i'm gonna get my music from is the radio i'm gonna Mm. listen to shit that i like i'm someone that i can run a song into the ground and never get tired of it but you're right. I think when I got a I got a CD player when I was in high school, and got like my first Disturbed CD, oh. and like ran that into the ground, and then eventually I acquire a Creative Zen MP3 player. Oh yeah, and I had the iPod. And, but the thing was that Creative Zen, you could listen to the radio with it and record the radio, hmm. and so I would listen to the bear. And I'd be like, oh, they're playing Pour Some Sugar on Me, record. And then I would like go through and listen to those songs. Because this is like before I had like, we didn't get the internet in my family for a long, long time. And so the way I would like get music was to turn the radio on and record what I liked. But I don't know. I guess you more than anybody, was there a point where you started just switching to CDs and records and no radio? Or Yeah, anything? probably when I was about 11, <laughs> 11 or 12. Damn. Like I... I, I fed up with it very very quickly and and too when i was in high school i was much more into like like so i was coming to high school right about the time where like heavy metal like really hit the ditch Mm -hmm. and i'm kind of a heavy metal guy more like i'm very eclectic but like my you know heavy metal is my go-to and so it's like right about that time like 93 94 95 like metal is like on its absolute last legs like you have you know guns and roses and metallica putting out some really huge albums Ozzy's No More Tears comes out about that time, but like that's like like the sort of the the death whale of heavy metal as far as a popular sure. art form. Um, so you know, I I was just so like it's you know CDs, cassettes, 
records, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't want to listen to the <laughs> to the radio. It's just, yeah. I think there's something about it's tough because at that time the the novelty of having control over what you listen to, at least as for me as a kid, having my first CD player and being like, I want to listen to Saliva right now and putting the Saliva. Saliva, there's a reference. I had Saliva's first CD. I, I have multiples. Uh, and so that was so cool. I would literally, I have a very vivid memory of, I had Saliva's CD that had Click Click Boom on it, uh, and then I had Pokemon Yellow, and I would put my little headphones on, my cheap chintzy plastic headphones, and listen to like, Click Click Boom, and then I'm like leveling Pikachu up, like just out of my mind, like, <laughs> I'm I'm sat at the edge of the couch <laughs> underneath the lamp because it's a Game Boy that doesn't have a light up screen. Oh yeah, uh, and, and it's just uh, yeah, that's a horrible ones. design right there. <laughs> I remember that. I'm just trying to remember too. Like you remember the like I had that gold SUV as like my first like big car when we were in high school. Mm-hmm. I just remember that had like a six disc CD player in it. Oh, you were king shit. Oh yeah, I was fucking <laughs> killing them. I just remember like the rotation of CDs. So I, remember, I remember I think I had a. My hat, Pitbull CD. <laughs> I had a couple burn, like back when burn CDs was a big deal. Had oh, a couple of those. dude, I loved had making some, custom CDs. Had some Tupac greatest hits. Had the saliva. You know, uh, I think it's like, it wasn't Cloak of Boom. It was like one of their newest ones. I can't remember which one was it was. Was it the, uh, so there was, it was, there was it the was, one with Always. Yeah, on that it. was it. That was it. That Always. One. I think it's Back Into Your System now I think about it. That was it. their second like, album. Trying to think what else. I, I think I had, I had Rick Ross. <laughs> uh, Rick Ross. Had Slim Thug. It's the boss. And then I just had like some random, rock, like I had Sublime, I remember as uh, well. Sublime. It was just like all those Sub- randoms. Sublime was a mutual friend of me and Justin's, Glenn's, that was one of his bands uh. that. I would listen to because of Glenn, uh, but I, I do Early like some line. in the morning. I recommend yeah. if they're in town, uh, co- occasionally they'll come to a Clyde. There's a band called Badfish. Uh, one of the best concerts I love going to. Okay. I've gone to it. They've come last two years, went to everyone. It's just awesome. I go through fate. I, 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 I go into reggae. I'm I'm addicted to reggae, though. Like <laughs> I got like a long, I had to create a separate playlist just for all my reggae tunes. There was a, a I had a playlist on my iTunes. There was there was a reggae station in the video game Saints Row. Oh, I, Saints I went and downloaded Row. every song off of that radio station and made a playlist of it because I like that station so much. Uh, but anyway, so so yeah, they're talking. Um, oh, they, another thing I just want I just want to give an unpopular opinion. I know real quick because they're talking about the debate between because they're talking about the way music is today and Ian says like sure. cla- I stick to the classics. Rock roll sucks since John Lennon died and. This is an unpopular opinion I know it's going to be, but Chaz says a line I couldn't agree most where he's just like, you really think I give a shit about the Beatles? Yeah. Because that's my line. I'm sorry. I don't, I listen to their songs. I don't care. I, I am it's, in a similar boat. I'm, oh, not a, I'm not a big Beatles fan. And I've ripped off that line where you want to tell me Purple Haze means something. <laughs> I've used that argument. I don't even know what it means, but I just use that in an argument. People have no comeback for it. So it's got to work. Yeah. <laughs> I, Dustin, another mutual friend of me and Justin's like, tried to play an entire Beatles album for me on the way back it's from like Nashville. Shit. It doesn't hit. I was like, none of this is hitting. Like yeah. I, I prefer covers of Beatles songs over the mm. Beatles songs for the most part. Like I love any, if Hendrix covers the Beatles, it's like good. I, the uh, only songs from I can remember, <laughs> yellow submarine, but it's like, I don't feel myself. I want to listen to that. And I just remember from, I think it, you weren't, did we have not have a, we had like a history class where like we were supposed to play like, protest songs and somebody had like give peace a chance mm. so like yeah i i remember i was in a class i had a uh, buffalo springfield uh 
something happened in here. Oh, sure, sure, sure. It was about stop. <laughs> hey, what's that sound? But yeah, again, I, I, like I said, the thematic elements of this movie are a bit threadbare. They try to throw in like the state of music today and what what's music actually mean. It's a conversation that's still happening today. Sure, but it's it's like very lightly touched on. And the problem is our protagonists are absolute idiots who just are like rocks about rocking out and they almost they hang a lantern on it because eventually he'll because it's funny because later in the movie Frazier says something like somewhat profound to Montaigne and and Montaigne is obviously like moved by it Mm -hmm. and it's like fuck it I'll put this guy on the air his he should like tell people this because yeah. he was like moved by it, right? Yeah. But the second he thro- thrust the mic in uh, his face, I, I, what, what are you doing? <laughs> I yeah. just did a reenactment of it. You can't yeah. see. I do great audio, people. <laughs> Justin covered the mic and did the like, what are you doing to me? Uh, but he just goes, if you were in front of 20,000 people, what would you say? And he just goes, rock and roll. Everyone's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I really like that, you know, because it does, you know, there, there's something. It, like I, I think it actually is, you know, the movie's kind of smart in getting to that. Like, you know, there's something about music, whatever kind of music you're into, it just sort of grabs you, regardless of like, you know, a lot of times like what the singer is singing about or something. There's, sure. You know, you just get into like the rhythm and and the melody, and then you just get hooked into it. Mm-hmm. I do think that more than movies, more than books, music is the thing I've noticed that I feel like people get the most defensive about. Oh, right. because yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that people attach a lot of meanings to certain songs because you'll either hear a certain song and start to associate it with a core memory of yours, or Mm -hmm. you'll interpret a certain song a certain way. Maybe it hits you a certain feeling, you know? And Mm so music is a very powerful thing, but it is also, I like that this movie does have that angle of like rocks fun. And it's about rocking out and having fun. And it's Mm -hmm. like, it's not the, uh, and they are, they're a little bit glam, like with their looks, but not quite all the way glam where it was all about the looks. It's like they do like, obviously Buscemi wants to get popular and Sandler's just a complete fucking idiot. That's long for the ride. <laughs> yeah. But Frazier, you know, he cares about the, the, the movie kind of hinges on the fact that he doesn't want to be a sellout and he wants to be real and, and all that stuff. So it, it, it's interesting. We do. Um, Farley gets a subplot where he's the one that's searching for the girlfriend. He, goes to a club we see uh, him yeah, sort far, of like uh, yeah, he gets he, he gets mosh pitted yes, basically and we get introduced <laughs> to white zombie welcome to the 90s bitch yeah uh, and this was like i said this was, i think this i think it was maybe twisted metal 2 this was on the center was bye yeah which i wonder is like if what were twisted metal would i have been aware of rob zombie i don't know i mean i mean i don't know about you i mean rob zombie's like you big like he's like unavoidable yeah. I, I guess think. i guess i did i bought a cd based off just like when I was a kid, I watched wrestling. I think it was Edge had one of his songs. What's and... funny is for me as like a film guy, uh, he made shitty movies. He, he's he's like almost more of a director than a musician these days, and so it's like I almost know him more as a filmmaker than a musician. But I just when I was younger, I liked Dragula and yeah, all, like, all that no, stuff. Oh like, uh, yeah, that's feels so numb with a song I used to listen to a lot. That's... It's a very distinct sound. You can't accuse uh, Rob Zombie of ripping anybody it's, off <laughs> there's only one rob zombie i will agree with that. <laughs> regardless of how you feel about his music like I'm, I'm watching this movie and i was like well if anything you could say you ripped off white zombie because at least like the astro creep sound okay yeah. he kind of just like took that and ran with it but mm-hmm. you know. uh, is he not part of that i thought well, he no was. he is but white, you know like zo- there was the band yeah white zombie was a band and he 
branched off became Rob Zombie. I guess I just thought he probably was what the source of that sound was. He was a, like I know I, think I know was, fuck all. I think about he was. Zombie. I'm not real. Familiar. I think he was just the lead singer of the band, pretty okay. much, and he yeah. pretty much took everything that the band was popular for and made, sure, okay, kind of ran that makes with sense, it. But he was probably the most talented one of the band. But I'm just guessing at that point. Yeah. I don't know. I never liked any of his solo stuff no. as much as the the band. Like as, as much like their two big albums. Like before that, like their whatever second one where there's kind of the first one like awful and then like they did something that's kind of a death metal <laughs> thing and I'm like yeah, it's fine they um we get a we get a funny yeah. scene where they Buscemi's like writing down a list of demands he's like he's like I'm gonna make a list of demands and it's gonna be so crazy there that we're gonna be able to plead insanity later we get like football helmet full of cottage cheese and giant baby well, bottle it's also and... one the, I know so many people like this and it just makes me want as someone who reads makes me run my head while it's like all all the copies of Moby Dick, the movie or the book. I'm gonna book it out of that. It's like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I did I did chuckle it's, at it's, that. It's funny, but it, it, it's, he, one, it's, it's like, yeah, put that on there too. It's one of the most <laughs> annoying things of as well, is where it's like books come before movies. Like, books are better nine times out of ten. Yeah. Uh and so they they Frazier and they get some guitars requests in there and stuff, but And then uh, we get random drug druggy David Arquette. Y'all are like woohoo and shit. Yeah, he's like, we can we can say that we're crazy later. He's like, you guys are crazy, man. Woohoo! Uh, this is where uh, Sandler and Susie they finally hook up at this point. It was at this. I thought it was. Was it this point? I have a note that just says Sandler makes out with chicks. So. Well, it goes. It goes. Uh, I think you. Trying uh, to think. Do we, we get the power turned off first? No, no, that no, no, no. You might be right. The, pow- the power that. gets turned off when they get found by McKean later. Yes, uh, but no, we get the whole uh, subplot where they find out McKean's uh, firing everybody. That, that ha- oh, you're right. Yeah, because they tie up McKean after his fight with uh, and then we get we get more Michael. You said Michael. We get more Michael Richards and SWAT talking you're, you're about. Right. His I, I did. I did jump forward. Um. Because I, I wrapped all the Farley stuff together. Well, we but get Farley doing... Ian, Ian finds out about the radio change. We get, we get Farley with this thing where he's, where he's like, a blonde wearing something tight. And black. Good. <laughs> and you get the, good, great, yeah. grand. Good, great, grand, which he will literally say in uh, in Billy Madison a yes. year later. Uh, or maybe the same year. Yeah. Uh, I, I, no, it's a couple... I think Madison was 95, maybe. Um, But, yeah, so... Uh, it is great casting where everybody in front of the club is blonde and wearing leather. Yes. Uh, just like again, the, a little bit of budget. It's, it's that <laughs> early eighties, uh, no, it's late eighties, early nineties women. Yeah, and so uh, like to tie his thing up, he gets mosh pitted, and then later he gets confronted by some punk. He finds the girlfriend, tells her that Frazier is asking for her. He gets confronted by some punks. They kind of pick on him, and he rips a guy's nipple ring uh, out. Always a classic. Well, we, get, well, we go back to where, because <laughs> when we first get introduced to him, uh, Ernie Hudson's like, anybody that's going to give you a problem, throw him in the back of the squad car. He's like, can't do that. So he's like, yes, you can. He's like, you don't break the law of the gym, but you get put in a situation, you improvise. And he says, You'll, so you can't break it, but you can bend the law. Yes, improvise. Uh, and then we get the whole where they fuck with them, and like, what are you going to do about it? He fucking just rips the guy's nipple ring down and goes, improvise. I do, I do. It is, again, I cannot emphasize enough, a rare non-bumbling Farley. It's like, where, like he gets mosh pitted and it's stuff. It's a badass like, Farley when he rips the dude's nipple ring out. Yeah. It's, like, it's there, one of those things where it's like, you fucked with me too much at this point. Because there's a part where he's like putting up caution tape and the guy's like, isn't there a weight limit on those belts, man? He's like, ah, ha, ha. And he like mimics like he's going to punch the guy. And I was like, this is pretty funny. Uh, but it's I, so, <laughs> him and Sandler are so early now. It's like, you can tell they're not completely warped into a routine yet. So, it's kind of fresh, I feel like. 
and uh, but yeah, so the Farley stuff happens, and then the Ian finds out that so Montagna finds out that McKean is like we, the, the studio is getting changed, everybody's well, we getting fired. I'm sorry to interrupt again, but we get a, a line I've ripped off of also when they're because there is in the debate or where, and I feel like I've said this too, where they're debating about how rock and roll is going down the hill, and Steve Buscemi's but we do hear our song, and the Japanese like I've said this like I can't wait to hear your brilliant song, <laughs> and then I ripped this on you, and he's like beat the shit out of the free music you listen to <laughs> there is like a i do love this reoccurring gag of them trying to describe what their sound is like yeah, it's not their... not slash but it's, it's a little <laughs> I, they, they always land on uh what is it it's it's like i think they said power slop and i'm like power, yeah, i don't know slop. like I, that's well, a that's a word that i have never heard outside of this well movie. the funniest part as they say it is it's when they first meet uh joe montana they're describing it and there's a scene where like they're walking into and Steve Buscemi's like describing it to the girl who bangs Adam Sandler later, later and he just stops and I was like, oh, yes. Yeah. And so uh, Ian is mad. At, uh, Montana is mad at Michael. He basically outs McKean as like, and McKean's like, so what? I was going to sell the studio. It, we're, it comes down from corporate, yeah. blah, 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 we, blah. We also get a quote from Susie during this where they find out they're all get fired. She whispers all those blowjobs for nothing. <laughs> and Dave Arquette calls him a pud, 90s. Welcome to the 90s, bitch. Yeah, so it's kind of like, it doesn't, um, it doesn't matter that much other than it's sort of like bands, most of the employees of the station sort of against it's, McKean. It's more <laughs> supposed to shift everybody in the favor of uh, Brendan Fraser and all those in the two in our main cast as opposed right. to the station. They like they like tie McKean to a chair. Yeah. I think yes. this is where we. I like I love the way the scene starts with Sandler and and the girl that plays yeah. Susie because well, we also you, I know Richard. Sorry again, but this Rich, <laughs> I know Richards is pointless to this point. But we get the point where uh, the SWAT guy SWAT guy explains pretty much his wife cheated on him with a pool boy. At this point, they discover that they discover Adam Sandler's pool cleaning equipment. Oh, yeah. So they give Michael Richards a gun at this point. <laughs> yeah, he's like, pool cleaning equipment. He's Son g- of a bitch. <laughs> uh, but I, I just I like the scene with Sandler because he's just staring straight he's ahead, like, and they're not you, doing anything. Like, what are you thinking about swimming pool? Yeah, she starts <laughs> it, she starts scooting in. They they make it's, out. She to quote a meme for Silvo, she's horny. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's funny because Sandler's like. It seems like he's trying not to crack during this thing, kind of, because he's kind of like he's trying to look dopey, but then he keeps like kind of smirking a little bit. It was, it was like I don't know if he was nervous or what was going well, on. It's also kind <laughs> of a like he's trying to act oblivious, but it's like anybody can see what's going on here. Yeah, and so. then he goes with it, so it's like, why are you acting so stupid? Yeah, and so I do like. uh they they get together and and there's like a funny it cuts back to them at some point where she's like well, riding him. He's well, like, it's more well, it's more it's, we get more stupid Michael Richards uh comedy because he's trying to crawl through the space. But this the fact from Susie being on top and riding Sandler is like causing shit to fall on him and he's trying to bob through it. <laughs> yeah, weird. I'm doing more doing more <laughs> audio stuff here, people. Uh, McKean, there's a funny scene where well, McKean's been tied up at this point, but he's like making a business it, ball. He does, he does the, he tie up, so he does the, uh, he's like the, hitting with his nose. It just reminds me of the uh, fantasy football ESPN commercial where it's like, you will, you will take what draft pick we give you because the guy's in his wedding and they hang out the phone with their nose. <laughs> I don't know. Um, let's see here. So, so this is where we get to the McKean yells, you're screwing on my $1,400 couch. Uh, kind of. I think we get Ian is asking Chaz about his tattoos. Oh yeah, there's that because uh, this we already kind of touched on it, but Chaz has like a Grim Reaper on his back. He's like, because it's like the Grim Reapers. Death always, is 
death is like stalking me to figure out my life and get this thing going. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll get a record contract. Maybe I won't, but I feel like I need to get this song out. Yeah. One good song. And then this is like we said, he, he gets interviewed, but as soon as he gets the mic in his face, he's like rock and roll. But you were saying like, you're, you're kind of into that moment though. Right. Andrew. It's, it's so right. I think it works. Like again, like I don't want to like over be like, Oh, this movie has like all this depth, but like it is a smartly written script. Mm-hmm. And and there's enough substance like that's at least being alluded to that for adds sure. ad, the adds you know to the the, char- the, the characters as dumb as they are and, they all feel specific and it, like they have depth to them. I feel like it goes back also to what we talked about with I think I think it was I can't remember what it was it was the quick no it was the quick and the dead because you were talking about how people were complaining about how Sharon Stone's uh, character at one point was all getting her feeling when they wanted her to be a badass. We don't I feel like people don't want to hear they don't want to hear Chaz on there talk about oh. My, I was worried about this. No, I just want to hear him say "fucking rock and roll." And let's yeah, go. Yeah, I think the crowd. I think the crowd. He, he gave the crowd what they want. I feel like they were there because they held up a radio station. They're yeah. they're not there to be looking for sensitive artists. No, <laughs> it's like, but it, it is people, very, it people, is very rock and roll to take a radio well, people station. People want hostage. Sim- people want simplicity sometimes. Okay, <laughs> a so little just bit. Don't overthink shit. Uh, it's fun, and but yeah, rock and roll. Uh, they give Richards the gun again. We, we're bypassing the Richards stuff. McKean's trying to go into his office, and he finds Sandler and Susie on the couch. I'm sorry, I'm calling her Susie. I don't know the actress name that Nina. well. Nina, Nina uh, is her first name. I can't pronounce your last name. But uh, is he's the he's more mad about the cat. He's like, that's a four. There's a single stain on there, and she's like, I quit. She's like, what are you gonna do? Fire me! I quit. And which is Sandler's they, like, oh, I don't want you to lose your job over which isn't, this. Which <laughs> isn't isn't she getting fired anyway? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Sandler's so when, stupid in this which, movie. Yeah. And then we get, oh, I said, here we get in shape. Sandler was like, huh? Oh, I would yeah. never expected. Well, that. yeah, he's literally he's well, naked and he's well, covering he's, his dick up with like his hat. It's and, like, well, then Steve Buscemi is like, oh Jesus Christ, Pip. Like, sorry, dude. And then she's like. I'm a hostage and Pip is my man with a gun. <laughs> yeah, she like loops her arm around him. It's cute. I kind of like it. Yes. Uh, but I also just like Susie. <laughs> yes. and, and as they're arguing, because I also think Buscemi's like, put the hammer away, man. Put, so put, the, Pip, put the monster away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They get the power turned up, which the power thing, like, again, I'm not going to dwell on it because it's like barely a subplot. It's movie. the most flawed logic in the movie, in my opinion, that they get it turned back on by just shouting Rodney King. <laughs> It's very weird. <laughs> Which we do get that. Well, no, we get the, uh, we get, um, uh, who, I, feel, I can't remember his name. I feel the, like yeah, so this record exec shows up and he's so familiar. Like, it's not, he's like Ben Stein adjacent. Uh, he, I'm looking for his name. Uh, you, you know what I'm talking about. Like, yeah. Because cause he shows up and they're like, if you're re- if you're really into rock well, and roll, you got to answer does, these questions. I feel like this is like your this is your dad, like, oh, you guys, which a line cracked. You guys are the greatest thing since Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. See, Buscemi, Marky Mark, that guy sucks. And it's like, <laughs> oh man, I bet they regret that line this day because I think in 1994, Mark Wahlberg had one movie, and then I think Basketball Diaries came out the next year. Yeah. So this was not even actor Mark Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> I say hi to your mother for me. Say hi to your mother for me. <laughs> uh, I, they, yeah. I think they uh, ask him. They're like. When when uh, Harold Ramis is the actor. Oh name. yeah, of course the Ghostbusters guy. Yeah. Uh, he's just he's like he's, he's, he's a little chubbly and he this. does a great job as playing like you can tell he has no idea about the music. He's trying to act like he knew. We'll be at the forum laughing about this. Let's talk contracts. <laughs> he's uh, uh he's obviously a narc. They they suss him out by 
saying when uh when da- was it it's van halen the first one's like split and he's like van halen <laughs> and, like, and he's like uh, he's like they they sold a lot of records after that <laughs> yeah and they're like well how about this who would win a wrestling match lemmy or god he's like Lemmy, like, no, he's like, no, I'm that guy's like, you would know Lemmy is God. Get out of here, you fucking pig. And then he's a cop is the funniest part. <laughs> yes. So and then we get the we get the Rodney King chant. Yeah, because B- B- Frazier goes out there and he's like, turn our power back on. Hudson's like, I'm not going to well, do that. And they did foreshadow where Hudson's like, quit it, you're riling the crowd up. Yeah. And like, uh, Buscemi hands out some tickets and feels up a couple of women, I think. And he's like, oh, they love us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Rodney King chant though is insane. Is, and, well, the funniest part too is like, I think uh, Reggie Kathy's like, why are they saying Rodney King? And Taylor goes, he's that guy. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's very funny because they're like Rodney King, Rodney King, and he's like, why are they saying Rodney King? And Taylor very earnest is like, he's that one guy. Uh, like, uh, the at this point, Chaz's girlfriend shows up and she's well, got the and t- also, also foreshadow. We get the idea where. Uh, the big mace, the SWAT leader, has uncovered uh, Chaz's background, where his real name is Chester, mm-hmm. and he was like the like Glee Club geek, pretty much. Yeah. So when she shows up, he, SWAT guy grabs her, and he sort of like tries to out Chaz as a nerd. Mm-hmm. Which one of my biggest things here was like, oh, one of his big flaws was he like played D and D in high school. <laughs> which I was like, man, D and D's like cool now. Is it? Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it is. <laughs> It is so cool, man. I feel like, but this isn't this like the backstory majority of rock stars. Like, kinda, yeah. Isn't Gene Simmons' backstory? He was a nerdy Jewish kid. That's why he painted his face and pretty much. I believe someone told me I'm not that pretty much Slipknot look like M. Sync till they put on all the makeup. I'm kind of curious, like as someone that watched it when it first came out, Andrew. It is this moment I feel like doesn't quite hit these days. I feel like it's supposed to be this big bomb where. Chaz gets outed as like a high school nerd in front named of everybody Chester, which... named Chester and he's like confessing I don't know like I, I guess my question is like do you feel like it still plays or did it play back in the day for you at all or is it just like a, no, I, a I silly thing no, I, I mean it's kind of silly sure but it, I think it, it does play a lot differently because yeah the the like I understand like like D&D is still not like a mainstream thing sure, but it's sure. much more like yeah that's just a thing people do I mean I will say, Jake, that I worked at a job about about seven years ago where a lot of, <laughs> but about seven years ago, I worked at a job where all the first shift people were like these like former football players, like and me, who which I'm not the most understanding sometimes. You'll probably <laughs> you'll agree with that, right? Sure. <laughs> but yeah, but like we used to, everybody used to make fun of the third shift people because they played D and D on their shift a lot. <laughs> but, but my, my... He, he like it, it's so like we are getting a little bit into maybe one of the more interesting I mean, relationship dynamics of the film where cause cause the whole thing is he's being outed in front of his girlfriend which, and he confesses cause he's the one that confesses like I was a geek and I played D and D and no go ahead sorry. Oh no no you raised- I was saying a hilarious <laughs> thing about this is years later, I mean let's be let's face it, it is Drake not pretty much a Canadian, pretty much a young Canadian geek who <laughs> Yeah, and then Rick Ross was a geeky correctional officer. I was I was laughing about Drake literally this weekend because I had a picture of him doing a really cringe rap on Degrassi come up on my the feed. Scout. <laughs> it's like it's like, oh, well, like I feel like people forget Drake was like a total dork well, on Degrassi well, when he was like eighteen. <laughs> when like Fifty Cent pretty much exposed, 
Well, I think his he found a picture of Rick Ross as a correctional officer. Pretty okay. much Rick Ross was a correctional officer, and one of his prisoners in a cell block was legit Freeway Ricky Ross, who was, like, one of Miami's biggest drug dealers, and he, like, <laughs> copied his whole rap persona off him, but, like... <laughs> People just didn't seem to care for some reason. Yeah, I mean, hey, make good music, Which, I guess. Well, well, yeah, well, yeah, we'll get to, well, he makes a big confession. Then we get people from the crowd making confession. I wonder if Andrew caught this, but do you know who the second person who says he was the editor of his uh, newspaper yeah. magazine was? He knows who that was? Yeah. I recognized him. That was Lemmy. Yeah, I thought that yes. was. I was like, I was because like, when he said that, I was like, that Lemmy? I was like, yes, I think that's that was Lemmy. Lemmy. That was uh, Lemmy. But I'm not as familiar, because Lemmy's Motorhead, right? Yes. Uh, Time to play the game. I think I knew because uh, the bar I was shooting at all weekend this weekend was, there's a giant mural of Lemmy's face <laughs> right outside the door. And wow. like I stared at Lemmy's face all weekend. I'm aware of who he is. I feel like just 99% of my knowledge of him is, it's time to play the game. It's time to play the game. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I mean, it's Motorhead. Motorhead's yeah. like the... It's yeah. like Ace, I know Ace of Spades as well. So. I always think of... Uh, you guys have both seen uh, School of Rock, right? Yeah, Bits and Pieces. Yeah. Bits and Pieces? Have you really never watched School of Rock? Not the whole thing negative. Jeez. Man, okay. Shades. Uh, but You're about to do a Clay Davis shit. Uh, it's like, well, it's one of those things where it's like I literally host a show that comes out every week where the whole point is I haven't seen movies that everybody's seen, so I never want to shame people for not seeing stuff because I'm the king of it. I, I sit on a throne of not watched. Uh, but, you sit on a throne of lies. <laughs> but but uh, in, in School of Rock, when he's like referencing all those bands, he because I always remember he's like this band, this Robert Plant, blah blah blah, and then his final thing is like, Motorhead. Oh, what are they teaching this place? Uh, he's like, all right, new new rules. Go to the board. He's like, <laughs> ten o'clock. Rock appreciation in theory. Uh, but yeah, I mean, for me, I, I I guess like I guess School of Rock is kind of like weirdly my Airheads. Uh, it's like the airheads of my generation where because it would have came came out when I was like 13 and it's like all about 80s and like 90s rock and but I'm like a fucking 13 year old in like 2003 just being like yeah rock music's awesome I love these guys but I have no fucking clue about these people but the soundtrack's like wall-to-wall bangers which I, I think the airhead soundtrack is yeah. well, like I, I think this would be a soundtrack worth copying like yes. back in the day when you would buy soundtracks up from movies Which, where they would have all the, the needle drops just on a CD. It was almost like its own version of a mix CD yeah, which in, in I a weird way. Just off side talk question, what do you think is the best movie soundtrack ever? Like, if you had to pick a movie with the best soundtrack? Fuck, I don't know. Best soundtrack? Yes. I honestly, I mean, I do think School of Rock would be up there, honestly, because it's like, God, they have so many good like music montages in there. I don't know what would be the, the best like needle drop rise wise jesus christ are you drinking uh, uh, a little bit uh, <laughs> that's my line man <laughs> uh i mean because like their score which is like you know the orchestral music that plays during movies but there's all the soundtrack i associate with like the songs yeah i associate that with famous artists contributing like, good songs oh, i think a lot of, i think a lot of the best soundtracks are more music oriented movies mm -hmm. like almost famous maybe that's probably a pretty banger soundtrack, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. um, Mine, number one, would probably be Days and Confused. Days and Confused? Yeah, I mean, yeah. 
You got a lot of Ozzy. You got a Sweet Emotion. Yeah. You got a ZZ Top. That's a good one. How about you, Andrew? I'd be curious. Do you have any, like... I'm not going to put you on the spot and say best, but are there any that come to mind? No, it's kind of hard for me. Um, Like we were talking about uh, a couple weeks ago, I really love the soundtracks of um, The Big Lebowski, No Brother, Where Art Thou. And it's not music, like, genre-wise that I would necessarily listen to a whole lot, but... I had a hard time picking Those the are, songs I, for Big Lebowski. I will say I love really Jur- I started uh, the podcast a bit for the Big Lebowski. I didn't finish it, but I love the op- the <laughs> Spanish Hotel California. Uh, I love that it's song. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, the Big Lebowski. I had a hard time picking which songs from the Big Lebowski to put. I have been enjoying. I've been putting music in lately, and there's certain movies I do for the show that I'm just like, oh. I uh, I did uh, Inherent Vice recently, and that's got some real bangers in it. Or I uh, might throw out—I only own a couple of soundtrack, like maybe two or three. And I'd say like like just randomly, sort of Dark City, because the um they do two two music pieces like in the movie where Jennifer Connelly plays like a lounge singer, and she does like these covers like these old like fifties or sixties rock songs that are absolutely incredible. Mm. And I'm like, I would buy the CD just for like those two songs. Sleep- it's so good. Sleepers was fun with that one song that they play. Well, uh, it's in the best scene in the movie as well, too. Yeah, it's just always, uh, yeah. There's uh, Seven Psychopaths. I quite like the uh, soundtrack to that film as well because that that's a soundtrack I've listened mm-hmm. to. I also I also really like the Django and Jane soundtrack. Yeah, I like that. Uh-huh. Um. So, Eight Mile was pretty good too. I would say just because I'm a fan sure, of that sure, genre. Sure. Oh, so. Yeah, yeah, that's good. But yeah, I just Days and Confused is hard because there's a part one and a part two of their soundtracks. When you have yeah. two parts, I think you did something. Right. I mean, that's a that's a vibe movie though. So it's like you get to just wall to wall music. That it's it's funny because like I I do have fun with the directors who like to just put their favorite songs in movies like tarantino's obviously quite notorious for that he's literally changed the context he's changed the context of some song like with reservoir dogs you know the uh why am i blanking on what he plays during the ear cut cutting off scene i haven't seen that movie uh, so. you haven't seen reservoir dogs i want to when we first to- when we before we did congo when you want to do a repeat i was like we should do Reservoir Dogs. I want to see that uh, movie. So that's our. That's I had forgotten list. that you hadn't seen that. Yeah. That's like literally. No, another, another if good, you had put a gun to my head and asked me I what just, my favorite Tarantino film was for a long time, I would have said I Reservoir just, Dogs. I just saw another good movie. It's just another good movie soundtrack. Just randomly, I'll throw it in there is uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, just because oh, all, all the classic mo- classic songs in that. Yeah, James Gunn's just drop uh, yeah. cherry uh, bo- cherry yeah. bomb. I mean, yeah, the the just oh, I I remember. I remember seeing Guardians of the Galaxy in the theaters, and at the time opening, the, it's like, "What you gonna?" And it like does that like lean back and the and the, and the, the, ti- the title hits. It's it's uh stuck in the middle with you was the song oh, I was thinking of. Yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, like uh, Michael Madsen puts on "Stuck in the Middle with You" and cuts a guy's ear off in Reservoir Dogs. No, in, in Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy, two scenes that hit me hard is the obviously the beginning with Chris uh with Chris Pratt where he's just dancing around what it was like hey, hey, hey. sure sure yeah and in the second one it's uh what's his name uh yeah uh the guy that play, is uh guy that plays yondu i think his name oh is. michael rooker michael rooker walking through and it's like or he's like just whistling he's killing all the people through and it's like it's like you're so big and so strong come a little <laughs> bit closer <laughs> like those weird classic songs but they hit for some reason it's fun yeah. it is like i do think we've uh 
I think in the modern day we've like slipped into this like so-called cringe culture where it's like you can't just have fun anymore. No. Uh, or it's like Airheads is a perfect example where they're just having fun yeah. and playing music that they like, and it's just like you're not supposed to be like, ooh, these are so these guys are such dorks. But speaking of dorks, like Chaz gets outed as a dork yes. if we want to get back into the yeah. movie. Oh yes, the uh, movie. Yes, that's why we're here, right? But his girlfriend seems so. We get some major whiplash here where girlfriend's like, no, I still like you. They kiss. Everyone's like, Chaz, Chaz, Chaz. Brings the girlfriend in and introduces them. They immediately start fucking yeah. fighting. And I was where, like, this is where fuck? I said, I don't understand this relationship dynamic. Yeah, I don't know. It's like, well, they fight. She, he kicks her out. She breaks a bunch of shit. Then he tells her she loves him. Oh, we get the whole, that is my song. I wrote that song before I even met you. Yeah, I thought that, like, I guess when I was, as a first time watcher, him throwing the, I wrote that song before I met you, I thought, I guess his, I thought his arc was like, they were trying to be like, he realizes his girlfriend is vapid and sucks and he's becoming his own man, but then it keeps going and she's like, he's like, what, what do you want me to say? Like, she's like, like well, tell I'm, me you love me. I'm doing all this for you. Yeah. I got gun to people's heads. And I was like, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's compelling, but there's not a lot of time it doesn't spent on it. It doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't know. To me, like what I, I read from that is like, like, you know. That's a woman who once, you know, and she talked, they set it up. Like, she's like, I want to live the rock and roll life. Yes. Like, this is like the crazy broad that wants to live the yes. rock and roll life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the Brendan Fraser, you know, he's a rock and roll guy and he wants the rock and roll lady. And that's the rock and roll lady. She is and the so rock and roll. Like, yes. It is funny. Like, 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 I mean, don't, don't read too far she, into it. She's, like, I feel like you know, and I, we all know, like, you know, it's fun to have a crazy girlfriend. Yeah, it is. I, I feel like she's a definitely a, character of courtney love possibly a little bit i do i do give the movie a lot of credit for not doing what i expected because i literally i started to write that oh he breaks up with her haha he turned the tables on her and they were like nope we're gonna they're they just have a really up and down yeah. hot and cold relationship and we're gonna stick it out and i kind of appreciated that i do too i, I actually like it's I, definitely it's definitely it's <laughs> more realistic i think people understand like the whole yeah. dynamics of relationship where it's yelling at each other then it's like no no we're we're good yeah i uh, he he says i love you and she's i mean i know we kind of joked about her not being the strongest actor i do like her face when he says i love her i Let's love not you also across her she's fucked up a lot of shit <laughs> yeah she did like break everything uh but it's like yeah i do love like i'm just because i'm not gonna spend too much time on the montage of things kind of going their way but she immediately is like what, what do you think about this outfit she's so into being like pampered and mm -hmm. rock stars so, uh, so yeah it's like another aspect of her character or whatever but yeah they make up immediately i love you my note here says because <laughs> this is maybe one of my favorite line deliveries in the movie we cut to outside where they're prepping all this shit that they demanded and farley is shoveling cottage cheese into a football <laughs> helmet and ernie hudson just goes god damn <laughs> like, it's, well, it's really well, like, how did i get here it's pretty funny and just farley's like this is what I'm supposed to do. He's, he's like, he's not chipper, but he's very like, he's yes, this is what I'm doing. I'm shoveling Kai's cheese into a helmet. Like he, he seems like a great employee. I yes. just, I just have to say, uh, it's the face, the lovable yeah. face. It's why I smile when I see him on screen. But yeah, I think because like they're, they're talking like, man, maybe we didn't demand crazy enough shit. And yeah. they're like yelling out at the cops. But then the gun gets caught in the yeah. door. Oh, that was a pretty cool scene how they did that, where it's like boom, and then it slowly comes out. And you see, 
Yeah, then then of course uh, our guy makes good on his threat. Yes, Reggie Kathy. <laughs> He's like fucking a, knocks. He fucking fucking clocks Buscemi. It looks good. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, Buscemi goes down. Uh, Reggie runs. Arquette follows. Even then, though uh, it's confusing. Like, and, and Reggie keep... runs and they, the cops like immediately tackle him. Well, it's also, it's also confusing that Arquette runs because when they sent Ivana earlier, he's like, I don't want to go, man. You guys are too cool. Oh, he even tries to come back and they're yeah. like, no, you lost your chance, man. Yeah, but they <laughs> tackle Kathy and it's like, it's a bullshit gun. Like it's very again a little bit of a little bit of weird racial commentary in this movie where the cops are like accosting the black guy. Uh, I said you said not me, bro. I, it's just what they're doing. Like it's I, I they're trying. I think that's like the joke. I yeah, guess. I gotcha. Uh, but this it's is a, this it's still a fake, the LAPD we're talking about. It's here. a fake gun. The the SWAT guys like we're moving in. But of course the Michael Richards subplot comes home to roost where he comes <laughs> he pops out with the gun. Drop. I literally wrote like what was going to happen before yeah. it happened where he dropped the gun. The bullets fire. Out everywhere so he, had, he had knocked a gun out of his hand what, so we the, get what, like he has like bottle. the best character arc true in the, true in the true movie. yeah because like you saw him a bitch like knocks it down uh mckean like almost gets fucking lit up well, he gets lit up with a pepper sauce to the eye eventually which, he does that has got to be the like most hair trigger gun ever <laughs> falls <laughs> oh, yeah. on the floor and yeah. releases <laughs> like 26 rounds it fires for forever <laughs> uh thankfully even though there's a giant crowd of people which i kind of glossed over nobody got hit yeah, as this thing's been going on, people have been amassing outside because, I mean, wouldn't kind of wouldn't you, though? Like, it's kind of fun, like, uh, get, but this is also very pump up the volume uh, where the crowds are just gathering around their radios. It's like, yeah, man, they're, they're fucking rebels, man. Well, obviously, uh, <laughs> I think, well, they were given quite a bit of time on air, I think. And people, remember, the things on air, too, also where the radio is probably a big oh, deal. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, but well, right, and yeah, they they set it up with like, hey, everybody, come down to the radio station. We're handing out free T-shirts, yeah, and free tickets. tickets. Yeah, yeah. Then then they do give and us then, they give us some even, tickets. Even Ian, when uh, before he tries to like interview Chaz, he does a rock hole. He's like, this is our last night, so come on down. Yeah, he's he's he gets pumped again. Okay? He's kind of into it because, like we said, he's a little he's a little tired he's of a his rebel. work. He's definitely a rebel. Like the the second scene we see him, he's chugging Pepto Bismol because he hates <laughs> his job, and and now he's like over it because he knows he's getting fired and losing mm-hmm. the station. He's like, he's yeah, got a real fuck it. Well, attitude. we get the big moment too, where it's just, where it's the point where it's like, there are no more hostages. Cause he hands. Chaz yeah. He, the pick, gun. he picks up the gun and, and I, just, I love cause like Chaz starts to raise his hands and just goes, Psh, what, what, what we well, we here? get to the point. <laughs> I, I remember watching this, with my brother and he's like, there are no hostages. I mean, the one chick's banging Adam Sandler. He's handing him guns. Like, what's going on here? Yeah, but it's it's a very like it, our protagonists need to remain likable. So, and I do want to say how many times they threaten to shoot people, but they don't actually do it. I oh, feel yeah. like police would have saw through that at some point. But yeah, I, I think in, but, mo- in modern day, the second. Am I, am I also just thinking the LAPD is trigger happy? What? It, it would have ended in a lot of more bloodshed, but it's a, it's a fun '90s movie. Yes, so we're, 90s, we're, we're all having fun. Welcome here. to the '90s, bitch. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Ian gives Frazier the gun. Uh, Jimmy shows up. Judd yeah. Nelson from the well, beginning we of the also, movie. There was also, I think there was a scene in the middle, too, where he was like, where he's talking about oh, them. He's like, 
I knew they were. I knew he was something. Yeah, it's like they're gonna be such a bomb. And we get more nineties. They're gonna be all over news. Larry King live. <laughs> like, the song is English. The hit. It's a gold record at least. <laughs> yeah, the song's that's a great in, line. Yeah, if the song is in English, it's gold record at least. Because they were talking about him on the radio. Yeah. It's like Jimmy, they're talking it's about like, you. Like, you get all these Jimmy Wings who don't who know nothing about rock and roll. <laughs> I am rock and roll. I love him reaching through the broken glass. Like Jimmy, I was just thinking about you. It's so crazy you, that <laughs> you didn't give me a number to call you back on. <laughs> it's so fun. He's so sleazy. Uh, uh, it's this <laughs> is Judd Nelson, but you don't realize it's Judd Nelson. It's such a great it, character. Yeah, it's so weird compared to like his Breakfast Club characters and mm. all that stuff, but. It's funny because he comes in, McKean still tied to the chair is like, you're going to need someone to negotiate the record and kind of even ever, even like Ian is kind of like, yeah, I mean, you do need a guy to read the contract, well, but he gets 5%. Fuck this guy. Susie, cause you're, cause you're a putt. Susie has the most worthless line in the whole movie. <laughs> I still don't understand what she's trying. I understand the point where she's dumb. Is she, well, what happened? She, I had a friend who was a model and they stole his shoes and, the, and everyone's like, oh, very, everybody's like, Huh? <laughs> but so McKean is going to negotiate for them. We get some negotiation between him and J- I do love this bit where it's like this part where it says no acts of violence, right? It's like, you're going to need to put a thing in there that excludes them taking the radio station hostage. And Jimmy's like done, done and done. And I was like, that's pretty funny. I wrote, th- I wrote my notes like, okay, this is pretty much the wrap up portion of the movie. We're just wrapping things up. Basically the big, big shebang bang. I, I did. My, one of my notes was like, and also at this point, Michael Richards has just disappeared. But I don't, nobody's complaining though. So it's good. Yeah. He does straight up just disappear. He gets, I, he, he gets a he fire extinguisher to the face and we never see him again. Yes, no, uh, but there, there's like some back and forth about, cause Jimmy basically tries to win them up. Well, we get, we get the scene where it's like, here's your record contract and Pip, oh, we, get, we get the bingo word where it's like, did you bring this? It's like, no, do we, it's like, do we need that? Let me see your arm. Clams down, it's like, Go get it. You bingo. Yeah. And, and then, then, and then, then we get the record contract and Pip comes back with the with stuff they're going to need to play the radio station. Chaz's like, he didn't play on the tape. He's like, no, no, we haven't started. He's like, I don't want to do this. Yeah, because he's going to sign the contract, but then he find, finds out the exact's going to sign without even hearing their music. He's like, which, I, heard which the, is, I heard the first part. He's like, you heard like two seconds of it. You couldn't have heard this. He's like, look, man, it's all about this. And then Frazier puts up a fight. Like, I'm not going to. Wipes his ass with the record contract. He does literally is, wipe his ass with the record contract. Which, uh, of course, Joe Montana, you, he wipes his ass with the record contract. I love him. <laughs> <laughs> um, But. But it is funny because Jimmy's like, look, man, his big line is like, rock stars don't go to jail. He like named- we have, basically is like, we have lawyers that will help you through this. Yeah. It's like, you can get us off. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I do love his little bit where he gets on the phone. He's yeah. like, starts acting scared. He's like, look, I'm, I'm in what, here, but they, why did you send me in here with these animals? I have, they have one more demand or whatever. The big thing is the tape's screwed. They, they can't do anything so with they're it. gonna do a giant concert pretty much because the the uh kayla wrecked the radio equipment and throwing the, a chair in yeah in the, the studio and, and the tape got pissed on shit on i think the tape on, does still the tape on. was still fine the tape works because that's but what the they council pl- was broken because oh, okay, gotcha. to wrap the plot up essentially they they literally fly in this stage and but they find out once they're on stage that they're only going to play the tape and they're not going to let them play live mm-hmm. and that's when Frazier rebels again this whole thing is a little confusing and doesn't make a lot of sense where they start playing the tape but they refuse to actually play along so that's, they, do, they don't want to lip sync cuz that's selling out in their opinion yeah which, and but then like somehow uh, the crowd is meant to understand that this is what's going on yeah, it's I really do, weird it's yeah. very weird too cuz when they do the cuz he tells them 
if you don't go on, the lawyers, all of us, we walk and your deal is done. And and Montaigne is, of course, pissed off because he's, I don't know, old school is like, oh, they're selling out. But then the crowd understands when Frazier just kind of starts to go lip sync or everything. He just doesn't do anything. And they yell louder, which is like, how do they understand what's going on? There's like people in, in the, ex- these some of these extras in the crowd, I can tell they were confused about what they were supposed to be doing. Because <laughs> this whole situation's confusing, but it's yeah. it's just meant to give us this climactic stage, stage dive moment. Well, it's, uh, they, it's, it's they, pretty they, much where they refuse to sell out. They're not going to limp sync, so they just play the song. And then it's pretty cool when Montana goes on mic. like, everybody, come up. You can't hear us from back there. Yeah. And then we get the far, like, oh, and everybody like, <laughs> just let them go. Let them go. Yeah, they stage dive. It transitions to them playing a concert in jail, live from prison, <laughs> uh, the Lone Rangers. And we finally hear their fucking song. Which is such a, I just think, I watched this movie a long time, like, this is the, weirdest hit song ever but they edited the song so much because like i said the majority of the song talks about johnny is obviously the main point of the song it's talked about how he's taking lewds he got pcp in his veins i think is one of the lyrics (laughs) so it's understand because early 90s drugs are bad drugs are bad and okay uh one of my that's the last of my notes is just they're playing from concert they're they're playing a concert from jail we get like some end text that's like there's there's album from jail went triple platinum and well, blah 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 we get well we get pretty much the understanding that ian is pretty much their manager now and is signing their deals yeah, and he's like right. they start touring in six months well three months they get off good for good behavior yeah that is the thing yeah, uh it is yes but well i thought it was weird too where it's like they got they got sentenced to this much for a uh, thing with hot pepper sauce but it's like <laughs> he had a real gun at some point i feel like that would kick in at some point, but yeah, there was a lot it's, of, it's a fun comedy. They're, well, yeah, oh, they're it, of course going to, well, I'm surprised they even served jail time in this movie. Yes. Like this is the kind of movie that you would have expected them to well, I feel like, get off on a technicality well, or something. I feel shit. like also though, <laughs> considering the era, maybe jail time would help their street. A little bit. With, yeah. As far as selling albums. You know, really weird I mean, moment where Jesus Steve Buscemi's Christ. like jacking off his base, but then like these, <laughs> these prisoners are like that's, looking at him. Well, and, that's where Adam Sandler's was like, Rex, what are you doing, man? <laughs> It's just really weird to me. It's just really weird interaction. But I mean, so yeah, I mean, we kind of sped through some of it, but the episode was getting a little girthy, uh, just like Adam Sandler's cock canonically in this movie. Hmm. But uh, is there any like big things I skipped over that either of you wanted to touch on before we transition? Like, so we're we're in our final thoughts section, and then we'll do our ratings. I do. I do do say that the lyrics or because I've had the actual song. It's funny, the band that actually did the song is called, like, The Lone Joey Cheese or something ridiculous <laughs> like that. And the lead singer, pretty close to Brendan Fraser's voice, I will say. Okay, yeah. Uh, I could believe that was actually Brendan Fraser singing it, like, the voice. Sure, I, I was kind of curious. But it's like, basically the second I saw Sandler try to play the drums, I was like, they definitely <laughs> did not do this song. Well, what, about the, <laughs> what about the quote from Sandler where he wants to be dunked into a under... <laughs> into a water tank to play drums like i don't think it works like that it's so random uh, <laughs> yeah i loved how like implausible that was <laughs> but they're like nodding along it's like oh that's a great idea because i think Susie and kayla yeah. were both really into it yes <laughs> but how about you andrew any final thoughts um i just uh, it's a fun movie i love like just the momentum this movie doesn't waste any time well maybe except for the michael richards bits but other than that like d- the the it just clips along really nicely i think you're so right to point out that the uh, the humor of the time and the target audience, the Michael Richards stuff probably was pretty funny. Um, it just wasn't hitting for me. Sure, but, right, right. And it's not like the movie. I I exaggerate. I, if you literally cut Michael Richards out of this movie, I think you'd lose 
maybe 10 minutes of stuff. I don't like, even think it's, that it's, much. It's not that egregious. It just, because I like all the other characters so much, every right. time it cuts to him, I'm like, oh, let's just hang. I'm like, there's so many other, well, like, it's like you almost just want Arquette to have more screen time. I or also something. wonder, too, if it's just the fact that it's Michael Richard and his stained reputation also kind of bogs things down. It does a little bit for me, but it was just like, like I don't know. I watched UHF, and he's funny in that. I do agree. All, like I said, <laughs> yeah. it's, he's and he's pretty much doing Kramer in a setting where I don't think Kramer works. It's just, it's a little, like, they're stupid, and the movie's goofy, but his, like, Three Stooges slapstick is not in line with anything. There's, like, because there's a point where his, uh, like, the Early in the movie, Brendan Fraser's girlfriend punches him, and he makes this really buffoonish face when he gets hit because she like socks him in the nuts or something. And I was like, "Oh, is it going to be one of those movies where we're making like cartoon faces?" But that never really was that when he had, she headbutts him, or yeah, she, oh, and just randomly, I love that. Just like <laughs> how many, like how many movies have you seen where like. A woman just randomly headbutts. Oh, I, th- him. I think she. I think she headbutts him at the end of the movie. But when she's kicking him out, she like socks him in the gut or kicks him or something. I thought that was the Swatley or she did that too. Uh, I mean, I think she hits him too. Oh, okay, she's she's a very yeah. aggressive woman. Oh, we've <laughs> we've established that. <laughs> but when she's kicking him out, he yeah. says something and she socks him and he does this like he does oh, this yeah. like Brendan Fraser Fraser Encino okay. Man face. Yeah, I was like, that's like Proto Encino Man when he makes the face. I just remember thinking that when it happened. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, do you guys feel like? the humor of the movie i mean it, are are we all laughing when we're watching it i laughed quite a bit i will say <laughs> i am and i'm like i'm i haven't seen the movies like before like if two months ago i had probably hadn't seen the movie in 10 years but like i'd watch it a handful of times before that so it was like but i'm still laughing you know i i can almost quote half the lines like as they're being said and i'm still laughing with mm-hmm. it i think if this is this if this is a movie i had seen at the right time i think this i think this enters the rotation of child jake's happy gilmore billy madison dumb and dumber the mask rotation that i was on right. as a kid because these lot i and even today like sat on your for couch me, like it holds up better than those movies i think probably better than billy uh, billy madison does not hold up as well as i thought it hmm. would i i have a lot of nostalgia for that movie that movie does that movie has lost some of its sheen I do think, I think Dumb and Dumber is pretty untouchable, though. I think th- that movie's like, it just never is not funny. Well, it's uh, so quotable, too. Like, yeah. Every, I don't think there's a lot of Billy Madison that's quotable. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, I do the, I do the, you want some of this milk? That milk is for that classroom. Oh, they don't got to know about it. It could be our milk. Today, Junior. Uh, <laughs> Today, making fun of a child for trying to read. Are you insane? Uh, I, I could quote Billy Madison, but that's only because I'm a psycho. <laughs> I could too. Uh, but like, in Happy Gilmore is literally if if you until like the until I was like Lynch. probably 20 years old, if you had asked me what my favorite movie was, I would have told you Happy Which Gilmore. Which we didn't. Well, I, I guess what I'm saying is is more like as an adult, I you know. For me, like watching Billy Madison or Happy Gilmore, that's more like, you know, there's a little bit of nostalgia there. I still enjoy those movies, but I don't, you know, I don't know. They don't, they don't, I don't have that desire to revisit those as an adult because I do feel like they're a more childish movie. Whereas Airheads, I feel like, again, yeah, the target audience is a teenager, but it's the, the writing is tight enough and there's enough, like, you know, kind of thematic 
stuff that's again it's not deep but it's there i think that, that i think with airheads there's a lot more adult complexity to these characters whereas happy gilmore there's there's nothing what you see is what you get in that movie like yeah happy gilmore he's got rage issues but he's also a nice guy like it's not complicated happy gilmore the only reason that movie sings is because it has the golf plot line that just the thing is you can't it's really hard to fuck up a sports movie. It's <laughs> really hard to fuck l- up a sports let's movie. Let's be honest. Any t- after you watch the movie, anytime you golf, you did the happy Gilmore song. Yeah. Like, me, like me and one of our mutual friends, we were in a golf outing back in June, and we did a happy, we got kind of tipsy and did a happy Gilmore swings towards the end. Oh, yeah, of course. It's, a, it's just it, there's a natural propulsion to the story that sure. makes yeah. that one hold up. Dumb and Dumber, I just think, is that one just has so many jokes that every time you go back to it, because even as a kid, it's like a kid's not going to when Jim Carrey is in that bar and he sees the newspaper on the wall, he's like, we landed on the moon. We landed on the moon. Like a kid's not going to fully comprehend why that's so funny. Because mm. like the humor of Dumb and Dumber is that they're so stupid, but you have to understand like, why they're like, you have to understand. Look, look up on the briefcase. Maybe like, oh, yeah. Samsonite. I was way off. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's just his head fell off. What? <laughs> I don't know. We got but, no food. We got no jobs. Our pets' heads are falling our off. Pets heads are falling off. <laughs> we gotta get out of this town and go where? Where are we gonna go? I'll tell you where. Someplace warm. Someplace and, where the beer flows like wine. <laughs> the mask is held up almost entirely by, oh, yeah. by my entire uh, in, infatuation with Cameron Diaz in that movie. Uh, Hottest she's ever been. She's never been hotter. She's so hot in that movie. Uh, but. You know, this movie's pretty hot too. I would say, uh, mm-hmm. you guys, are, I as always, my guess. Uh, I will, you, I will you, also say we didn't play the game we played last time, where you say an actor and oh, it's sure. like your, the, the movie that yeah, comes let's, up. Let's do a let's do a round of that because okay. I'm curious what first what at first blush. Okay. Uh, so let's let's do Judd Nelson Breakfast Club for sure. Breakfast Club. Yeah, Breakfast Club. It's Breakfast Club for me as well. Uh, let's do. I mean, we kind of talked about it beforehand, but Joe Montana. Uh, criminal Minds. I don't know. For me, this. Absolutely. Sure. Uh, I really, even though his face is so familiar, I was having trouble pulling him from anything in particular. Um, let's see. How about, uh, how about uh, David Arquette? Uh, 3,000 Miles to Graceland. <laughs> oh, man. That's pretty funny. <laughs> How about you? So I I got nothing. I'm not really familiar with him. I mean, obviously I've seen I've seen him in this, but it didn't you know strike me as like oh that guy from this other thing too. Welcome back. <laughs> uh, let's do uh, let's do Hudson, Ernie Hudson, Congo, Congo, uh, Ghostbusters, and The Crow. The Crow for me, uh, even because I didn't really grow up watching the Ghostbusters, so it's The Crow for sure. No, it's Congo. <laughs> uh, Michael Richards, we all know him from Seinfeld. Uh, Alan Cover, I know him from Grandma's Boy. Grandma's Boy. Uh, but he shows up. He's also like written a lot of Sandler's movies. Um, but yeah, I, I actually I have a soft spot for Grandma's Boy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, Farley. What do we What do we know? Tommy we, Boy. Tommy Boy. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Like I I grew up kind of watching Farley and Saturday Night Live, and then sure. you know, Black Sheep, Tommy Boy, Black Sheep, all that. Like I, I love the the skit with a uh the 
Chippendale skit with uh, Chris oh. Farley and uh, Patrick Swayze. Yeah. You both made great dance. We discovered that he just looked better. I like the. I like when he plays that interviewer character. I like Ju- Juicy Die Hard. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty cool, huh? <laughs> like, just the weird, earnest like interviewer character. He's he's funny. It just yeah, that was a sad death. Uh, I do I do really like Sandler's uh, tribute song mm-hmm. to him and his stand up thing that he did recently. Speaking of the Sandman. What's our Sandman poll? Happy Gilmore. Gilmore. Uh, wedding singer. Wedding singer. Interesting. It's definitely Gilmore for me, but I would say Madison and Gilmore were neck and neck. neck and Happy neck. Gilmore was the first movie I recognized him as Adam Sandler. As I've gotten older, like I wouldn't say it would be my first poll, but I definitely would guide people towards things like Uncut Gems and Punch Drunk Love if you want to like see Sandler yeah. do some different stuff he was incredible in uncut gems i think he's great in that movie i i also like that movie a lot mm-hmm. but it was good uh michael mckean um this and spinal tap i didn't really have much reference other than like i said i thought for the longest time he was corbin bernson from major league so <laughs> I, don't, I don't have much to contribute here i think i feel that... like i've seen him in other things but nothing come comes to mind like it's mostly in... like i know him from this and spinal tap is he in some movie with uh like Kiefer sutherland and dennis hopper I'm sure he's in a million movies with a million people. He's quite prolific. But for me, I've covered some of his movies recently. I did this as Spinal Tap very recently for the show. Um, and I also did... Yeah. Flashbacks. It's the movie I would probably think of most when I okay. think of him. But up until then, I'd say my big pull for him would be uh, he plays uh, Saul's older brother on Better Call Saul. Oh yeah, I've uh, heard that. I haven't watched that yet. He's though. very, very good. I haven't I mean, seen any of that. He's fucking despicable uh in that show, but mm-hmm. he's he's great. Uh how about Buscemi? Billy Madison. Billy uh, Madison. <laughs> Big Lebowski for sure. Big Lebowski. That's I mean that's pretty much where I was introduced to see. Oh, he's the guy in every Adam Sandler movie. Like I feel like that was his first like Sandler role was that one. He's so it's so weird because it's like Honestly, one of the first things I picture with Buscemi is Mr. Deeds, uh, with mm-hmm. his like weird cross-eyed character. Crazy with, eye. He's like, "What kind of pizza?" He's like, "Oreos and French fries." You know me well, Deeds. Uh, but I'm like, but I also just want to say like, Fargo, Reservoir Dogs. Like Buscemi's yeah. amazing in, I, in those I, movies. I love, I love. <laughs> probably the favorite thing I love him. I watched. I only watched one season, but Boardwalk Empire. He's really good. At of course, yeah. uh, amazing. He finally got to star in something like he should have uh andrew introduced me to ghost world and he's fantastic in that film as or, well i would say i would say either yeah. billy madison or con air probably those con air oh, yeah, of con course air, that's, that's right. a great yeah. poll uh he's he's fucking underrated honestly mm-hmm. Buscemi's great. which is so weird he got labeled as just the sandler guy because looking he's a, he was doing movies in the, like the mid 80s and it's like he just got hitched to Adam sandler after this movie i mean it's like it's well, not it's I, not a bad it's start it's not again. like that's his career though i Very mean i true. think that's what a lot of people know him like from that, but it's like his yeah. career is he's very prolific yeah, and he's done a lot of you know, he's mm-hmm. done directing and writing I just, too. I just so feel like, like for like he got labeled the guy works. He got labeled as that through like the most popular role in films were probably in the nineties was the Sandler films, but um last but certainly not least, our leading man, Brendan Fraser. Uh bedazzled. Bedazzled. That's why I got introduced to him. <laughs> sure. Kind of know him. This and Encino Man. Encino Man, of course. George of the Jungle, Blast from the Past, The Mummy franchise, of <laughs> yeah. course. Uh, I haven't seen any of those movies. I, Wait, I thought Tom Cruise was in The Mummy. <laughs> <laughs> ah, 
ah, ah, if anybody's ever seen the trailer I, they got leaked where they didn't put any sound design in it. I don't, I don't, I don't do Tom Cruise. <laughs> uh, I am quite excited. Brendan Fraser, it's a side role, but he's in, he's going to be in Scorsese's new movie, Killers of a Flower Moon. Uh, I'm quite excited for that film. But I mean, I'd say, I'd say like my, and also uh, Fraser's very good in the show Doom Patrol. I will say uh, I've been told to watch that. It's, it's a good, my, it's a good ass. It's show. on my list. Uh, but uh, yeah, Fra- I mean, we love Fraser. It means it seems it's, that's uh, a good average. Yeah, for sure. I like Bedazzle. Was he in the? Was he in that weird movie? It was called like Monkey Bone too. I oh yeah, like he's he's the lead of Monkey Bone. Okay, that was, <laughs> that was a very odd one. <laughs> but uh, my guess, you do not have to rate this film, but you are more than welcome to. Uh, I'll start with you, Justin. What is? What, do you the, have a score for this film? Yes, I've covered mine. If something's watchable, it's at least a five. This movie's more than watchable. I watched it a ton. I have it on DVD. Rewatching it, there's. It's not. I love it, but I do notice its flaws here. But just based off nostalgia, based off the people in it that are actually really good, like Joe Montana is really good. Sandler's really good because early Sandler, where he's still trying to find his lane. I feel like so he's not. He's not a bad actor, but he's still no. I honestly just based off nostalgia and the many laughs I get just from small. I give it a seven. Seven. Yes. Is that the? Hmm. I don't know. I can't remember. I haven't been able to keep track of everything you've given on uh, the show. A seven. I gave seven psychopaths a seven. I believe. I think you gave it a six point five. I thought I jumped up. No sleepers. I gave it a six point five. I jumped up to seven. Hmm, okay. It's, it's in that seven psychopath sleepers range. Very respectable score for yes. Airheads. A very. Yes. Uh, it's kinda, fine. I've explained my nostalgia on it, though. Yeah. I can't remember what I gave Congo, though. That was a long time. I love that movie, though. <laughs> like, that, it's definitely not something shared by people, but I just... That was a tough one. <laughs> I liked it. Amy, good gorilla. Get rid of the Amy <laughs> subplot. You got, you got Ernie Hudson, who's pretty cool. Laura that's what everybody remembers from the movie, though. And, that's Amy. not what I remember. I remember Amy. just Ernie Hudson being awesome and Laura <laughs> Lenny being a badass and the killer sure. gorillas and fucking up Tim Curry being a sleaze. Uh, I like I can focus on the good in that movie, and you want <laughs> everybody else wants to focus on the gorilla. <laughs> How about you, Andrew? Do you have a rating for the film? It's um, okay if not. Yeah, yeah. I think I'd give it an eight, and and I, I don't know, like you know, I'm being subjective, but I do think it deserves it. Like it's, I mean, it's not a perfect movie, but I think you know, you you talk about the the like think of like the premise of you know guys hold up a radio station to get their song on the air. Like I don't know how you do this better. You know, it delivers on that premise. As a comedy. Yeah, right, as a comedy, sure. But it, it delivers on that premise about as well as can be expected. Yeah, it's like... Like, it's a solid I movie. Will, I will also pounce encounter with, to me, looking at it, the nostalgia in the 90s aspect of it, the cast, the many times I laugh, the positives compared to the negatives, it has to be in that seven to higher range for me. No, I'm in the same ballpark as you guys in that I laughed a lot while I was watching this. I was just in it. I was also, I've been in a pretty good mood today too. I'm coming off a high of being on set all, all weekend and just, uh, but I like, la- there's funny exchanges. There's funny. I, I didn't write down every line and I kind of wish I had. Cause there's some, even just little things where it's like, not a lot of smoking here. Well, what am I doing? Uh, it's, it's, it's just so smarmy and good. The, to me, it's just Joe Montana's back and forth with them, Sandler. Oh, uh, he's, he's yeah. just so cutting. It's, it's very... He doesn't wear a helmet, does he? Uh, this yeah. is one of those movies you, you can just put on anytime, like, just have it going in the background, and it, it's going to be a pleasant experience. Which I will also bring, if I could bring a cinephobe reference to the podcast me and Jake listened to, 
Who is your ass off to if you had to give someone it? My ass off? I yes. mean, it's Montana. Yeah, it's me too. Well, it's, it's Montana only because Hudson's not in it a lot. Yeah, Montana mm. kills almost every scene just the disgruntled. Although I will give very slight. So it's like, for me, it's like Montana, he's slain. Uh, Hudson, when he's on Which, screen, killing. Uh, but let it not be said that McKean does not fulfill yeah, the role he's, that he's, he's supposed good. to do he's in good. this movie. But I, just, I think I also had no, I think I didn't mention where it's one of the scenes where it's, it's where um, T- Montaigne's in there with like Sandler and Frazier. I'm like, Montaigne's just lapping these young actors. Oh like. yeah. I mean, he's yeah. <laughs> uh, but for me, it's like, I laughed a lot. Andrew, you're so right to say like, how could you execute this better? Cause they get into it. Like, cause it's like, you don't need the long scene of them planning the thing. Cause the whole point is they're just like, let's just go down there and, and go in there. Like, that's like the point. You don't uh, need layers. Uh, it's like, we have these guns, they establish it right. And they even, and they, not only do they establish the guns, but they do gags with them. Like where he turns and fires it like a dummy and like shoots hot sauce at it. I, I skipped over it, but there's a funny bit later where Frazier's eating a burrito and he kind of sadly <laughs> takes his gun and like squirts it with hot sauce. It's funny. Uh, but yeah, it's like, one the only thing I struggle with with this film, honestly, is just that the ceiling for this type of film ha- there is a ceiling. This is never gonna this is never gonna push out any truly meaningful film that I've watched in my life. Like right. even and even for the show, when I see stuff like Black Swan, Paris, Texas, like things like that that like truly affect me maybe also real bangers there uh, i mean I, the, there's certain kinds of movies that like will affect my own work I, i'm just going giving forward. you shit well no but you're, you're right eternal sunshine of the spotless mind is the most recent one that really that really bowled me over uh speaking of carrie that i'm we, sorry to chuckle it's just not in my wheelhouse no that, and that's fine uh the, the thing is this movie's in everybody's wheelhouse anyone yes. can enjoy this film but again there's like a for me as like a more looking for like the something truly transcendent there's always going to be a trade-off of like having a movie be universally accessible right. i yeah. guess and my dad me and my dad argue about this all the time he's like what's wrong with a universally accessible there's nothing wrong with the universe i love to just sit down and watch a nice movie or a funny movie sometimes and but there's a ceiling and so if you guys have never listened to the show god bless you that you made it this deep into the airheads episode welcome uh, but i you are welcome I do. <laughs> I have a grading curve. Uh, I, I'm a little harsher on this show than I am. To, yes. What'd you do to the Godfather, Jake? <laughs> uh, I gave the Godfather an 8.5. Any other day of the week, that's a 10 out of 10 movie for me. So where does that land airheads? Uh, that's a square. That's squarely in the 6.5 range for me. Um, it's not quite a seven, but it, I'm definitely not dipping down to a six because I quite enjoyed this film. It's fun seeing Proto Sandler. Everyone's doing a good job in this movie. I Like if you were like, who was ass on? I'm like, I don't know. Like mm. no one was terrible in this movie. Like I would be hard pressed to really shoot pick somebody out. So I quite liked it. I'm sad. I didn't grow up watching this film. I would have, I would be, it would have been in the rotation. Uh, this, this is right up there with the new guy and the kind of shit I was watching all the time when I was a kid, uh, Malibu's most wanted. Uh, it's like, I, I oh, there's a, of... a great nineties movie. <laughs> it's just, yeah, I just, uh, Which, that was a, <laughs> Funny quote about Malibu Most Wanted. My boss, apparently, uh, Jamie Kennedy came to like a local comedy club in Fort Wayne, and he oh, was yeah. he was on there, and he said that somebody yelled "B Rad" <laughs> when he was on stage, and Jamie Kennedy apparently got pissed off, like, "Yeah, you know, do I just come up to you and like 
McDonald's. That was my old job. I don't yell about your old jobs. Like, got all shitty about it. It's like, it's the only thing you're famous for, dude. Yeah, calm down. Uh, but yeah, so 6.5, I think, is what I'm going to give it. And speaking of like name dropping, all, I it almost feels redundant with all the movies we've thrown out. But if there's any movies you guys would like to recommend here at the end of the Airheads mm-hmm. episode, please feel free. You, you talked about a movie very, I find similar. Uh, you talked about a hustling flow. I, sure, sure, sure. I'm not even, I'm not. Very, it's like, definitely not as comedic as this no, film. It's very more serious down. <laughs> I'm not a fan of uh, Terrence Howard's attempt at a Memphis accent that I find it annoying, <laughs> but, but the music the music is really good. I find well in that movie. I really like songs in sure. there. So yeah, and like I said, uh, pl- it's, it's one of those movies where just everyone feels very real. Yes, it's too. very it's very <laughs> serious. And I'm trying to think if there's any other like music type movies really think of, but that's the only one I can think of right now that's be uh, similar. School about, of Rock's going on. The uh, list, yeah, baby. I haven't watched. I'm sorry, I'm not a big Jack Black guy. That's but. okay. Uh, maybe we won't do it for the show because I don't think I and, can. I don't think and I can obviously, because I, I, I mentioned as well, movie, uh, music, uh, Fifty Cent, Hustlers and Ambition. I was a big Fifty Cent fan <laughs> in my youth. Not all, not for all types. Not everybody's cup of tea, but it is what it is. Sure. All my flaws. How about you, Andrew? Um, I'm thinking just like other good '90s comedies. I'll recommend like if anybody hasn't seen Wayne's World again, you have the Saturday Night Live connection. But, I like, have not go seen. Go watch World. that movie. It's freaking I incredible. I don't think I've seen it from beginning um, to end. I've seen bits and pieces of about and, all of them. And a slightly also, one that's SN- not as SNL, well known. Uh, SNL alums. Yeah. It's a great, and it's a and great... another one that's not talked about very often is uh, uh, from the 90s is PCU, with it, which also has David Spade, so not, a, not an SNL I've heard of it, but I'm definitely not familiar with That's, that one. Jeremy Piven's the one of the leads. Oh, you've told me about yeah, this film. Yeah, it's a it's a good college movie. Hmm. Oh, it's um, a, so it's a co- like a college comedy. Yeah. Okay. Jeremy, but it does Jeremy have a, Piven. And, oh yeah, and it's got a young um, uh, what's his uh, name? There's a directed Iron Man. Uh, John Favreau. Uh, he's in it. He's. He, I like, like John Favreau as an actor. Yeah. <laughs> I, he's got well, a. He's got a small part in it, like more than a cameo. Mm-hmm. One of my. I, I don't really believe in the term guilty pleasures, but one of my guilty pleasures is Couples Retreat. I just have watched that movie like a dozen, dozens of times. It's his junk out. Now it's a party. <laughs> oh yeah, and it's gonna. Um, wait a minute, Jessica Walter, too. Oh really? Yeah. She's in that. Yeah. Uh, we love Jessica Walter. I'm looking at the cast of the way he said. The only other name I recognize is uh, Jake Busey. <laughs> Jake Cockaduty Busey. Uh, but yeah, I mean, but it has a very much like kind of a rock and roll attitude to it, even though it's not about like you know rock and roll. It kind of has that same vibe mm-hmm. of this movie, and and you know in a little bit. Sure. Um. I'm hard pressed to come up with anything that I haven't already name dropped in this movie. School of Rock is it. A great poll. That scared the shit out of me. School of Rock scared the shit out of you? No. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I plugged in my hard drive because we're wrapping the episode up so I can save it. And like my thing popped up and covered the thing that was recording this. And I was like, <laughs> uh, but uh, I'm just like, I mean, it's all the comedies, right? Like it's, you got Sandler. So, I mean, if you like Airheads, surely you would like Happy Gilmore, but everyone's seen all that shit. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I don't know if I have any deep cuts for anybody uh, in regard. Like if I you mean, if you like Airheads, I'm like I, I, I mean seen, maybe you would if if you're into radio shit. I do quite like Pump Up the Volume. Oh, yeah, that's a want, good recommendation. I didn't want to recommend it because I haven't seen the whole movie. But you mentioned a rock star with Mark Wahlberg. I did. Yeah, I do like that movie. Uh, and Jennifer Aniston's so gorgeous in that. Yes, film. she is. Uh, but yeah, test my soul. 
It's my life. But Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch, like, Marky Mark, that guy sucks. <laughs> There's a great bit where he's doing an interview, like, how do you keep your voice so smooth? And he's like, eating pussy. It's, <laughs> it's pretty good. Uh, but yeah, I, Mark Wahlberg, a very up and down actor, but he's pretty good in Rockstar. Obviously, Boogie Nights. Say hi, your mother for me. He's uh, good in Boogie Nights as well. Are you talking but, about Mark Wahlberg? Uh, but I think also you were good to pull like the the hangout movies like uh, and stuff. So I don't know, but yeah, we you guys we we've name dropped a billion and one movies in this episode. So you guys got your fucking recommendations, you savages. Because uh, it's it's been three hours. We're gonna wrap. Uh, why is the Airheads episode three hours? I don't know. It's gonna be three hours because we're ending it here though. Uh, any last uh, plugs things you guys want to get out before I say my shitty catchphrase at the end of this thing? Uh, Kirkland's Vodka and Ghost Energy Drink. Delicious. <laughs> How about you, Andrew? Nothing here. Hey, Alright, that's you guys are the best. Calling it a night. <laughs> Absolutely. We are calling it a night. Um, thank you guys for joining us for the Airheads episode. Thank you, Justin and Andrew, for being such troopers for this. Uh, like Two guys that have never met come in the studio and we talk about Airheads. We're joined through the mutual love of of 90s comedy you gotta love it but uh, that's the end of the episode guys we're gonna let you go here and as I unfortunately always say at the end of every episode I'll catch you all on the flip flop just pulling up a flip flop I'm wearing them on the flip flop later bye guys <laughs>